If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington and I'm joined by regular co-host, Mr. Andy Conduit-Turner. Hello, Ben. Hello, Andy. Hello. Uh, there's four of us today, which is very, very exciting because we're joined by two very special guests. Returning guest, Aaron Truss, um, who obviously joined us for the, one of the Fright Fest episodes uh, interviews recently, talking about Cult of VHS. He's an award-winning director and producer. Um, he studied at Thames Valley University in London, spent over a decade working in post-production, creating original content for IMAX and Sony Pictures, best known for Knox, the Rob Knox story, and Cult of VHS, which had its premiere at Fright Fest just last month and kevin martin is the owner of the lobby dvd shop an actor in straight to video web series the co-founder of dead fest film festival and the star of the upcoming the last video store movie welcome to the show aaron and kevin hey guys yeah hey guys hello hello (laughs) if you're if you're watching on video as well if you're watching on youtube you will also notice that kev is in the video store right now and Night of the Creeps is playing on a screen behind him. Can nice. you believe it? Get, get, get well and truly in the mood. <laughs> no, no customers? Or have you just locked them out, Kevin? I've locked them out, my friend. So if you hear occasional banging on the uh, door and I got to scoot over, it's business. But I'll be right back. <laughs> it's just creeps. It's just creeps, creeps. at the door. It's yeah. smashing the door and a little, a little worm jumps into your mouth. Masking tape, everything open. The oven's on. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, it looks absolutely. I mean, it looks absolutely amazing. Like, I can't, I can't quite. I mean, is is Night of, v- Night of the Creeps on VHS? Is what you're watching it? Ah, oh, I wish. You know, much of Night of the Creeps VHS tapes go for these days. I mean, they're they're tough <laughs> to come. At least in our country, they're tough to come around. Uh no, sadly, I'm I'm going more modern with 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 the DVD. But 
Yeah. Uh, I did have it on VHS as a kid, but um, it's just the one perk about being in my 40s, that era of the 80s and, and, and having all the VHS tapes. I had them all. And then, you know, somewhere in the mid 90s, you made the big mistake of like, ah, I don't need these tapes anymore. We're moving on. And no one, you know, they, they, nobody would buy them. And now, of course, here we are, 2022. And uh, I could have retired off of my boxes of VHS tapes that I had as a child. <laughs> my God. My That's God. the wild <laughs> thing about these collectibles, isn't it? Because for things to become valuable and collectible, they almost have to have a period of being worth nothing you know the fact that comics are very expensive because they had a period of time where they were basically chip wrappers you would read a comic and screw it up and put it in your pocket versus vinyl in the 90s vinyl in the 90s was going for pennies nobody wanted it right i mean and now look at vinyl collectors that is an addiction that i cannot afford (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's, it's it's crazy so obviously um, Aaron, obviously, you were the producer of Cult VHS, and Kev, you're also involved in that. How did you get involved in in Cult VHS, Kev? It's it's funny. Uh, somebody, uh, one of my customers here in Edmonton, Canada, uh, joined the uh, the Kickstarter fundraiser and uh, told uh, Rob down in Mexico City about. Uh, yeah, I live in this city. We have a video store still. And then Rob, I guess, had seen our short films at some film festival in L.A. or Mexico, and he put two and two together, and he was like, wait, is that the same video store that did that short film, The Last Video Store, and Amos Mega Tape, and uh, Straight to Video? And she's like, yeah, like, I need to get a hold of that dude. So he reached out to me, uh, like, during the height of the pandemic in 2020, and uh, he's like, I'd love to have you involved in this doc do you have somebody that can film you? And I'm like, I got nothing better to do. Business is closed at the moment. So, um, uh, yeah. So I just, uh, brought my, brought mine of my film buddies in and, uh, Rob sent me a few questions and we set the camera up, like, okay, good, good, get a good angle of the shop. You know, we want to make sure we're included in this documentary. And then I just kind of riffed a bunch of shit and I'm like, well, maybe he'll use some of it. And I'll tell you a true story. So when I got to see the screener, I was uh, filming the movie earlier this spring. So I'm like, I finished filming all day. I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch Cult of VHS now. And we're about 45 minutes into the dock. And I'm like, ah, I guess they didn't use any of my footage. Cause I don't show up until like, I think the 46th or seventh minute. And I'm like, Hey, there I am. Maybe they use like two minutes of me. And then I felt like the next 15 to 20 minutes, like, Oh shit. They used everything we filmed basically or pretty close to it. So I felt I felt touched and blessed, man. Represent Canada and all that jazz and video store love. But yeah, saved, that's how I got saved you, saved you for the second act. Absolutely. Kept everybody, kept everybody hooked. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, Cult of VHS did have its premiere. Last time we spoke, Aaron, was prior to it being shown at Fright Fest. So, oh, really? Wow, okay. So this from, is that, interesting. That is when we spoke. Yeah. I think it was only a few days before. Um, it must have so, been, yeah. So how did that go? How was seeing it up on the big screen? It was a very strange experience watching it. I mean, I wish we could have just bundled everyone into a private jet who was who was in Cottle VHS and watched it with those guys, including Kevin. And the response was amazing. Um, uh, Kevin was a huge favorite, especially amongst all the press that we were receiving. And um, a lot of people who were there, you know, were either saying, oh, Kevin was absolutely fantastic or Jordi Camacho, who's the... Uh, uh, how to, how best to describe him? He's the uh, he's the uh, fitness video enthusiast, and that's as far as I'll go without spoiling it too much. But uh, yeah, yeah, he got a laugh every time that he was on screen. Um, 
I was also fortunate enough to sit next to Jake West from um, oh. the Video Nasties documentary. And uh, I, I always tell this story wrong. And I said that he, I thought he was looking to get into Cottle VHS. Turns out the poor guy was trying to get into another film. I managed to catch him and I said, do you want to come in with me? I've got a spare ticket. And he was pretty much my date sitting next to me all the way through the film, nudging me going, oh, that's great, man. That's great. Yeah, I like what you did. Oh, yep, yep. And at the end of it, he just turned around to me and just said, you did a really fantastic job to to Rob and I. And I was just like, oh, man, just getting Jake West's approval was everything we could have wanted. And and oddly enough, uh, we got a bit hammered. And it turns out he lives five minutes from me around the corner in Bromley. <laughs> and, um, so he's my neighbour. And uh, no we went out the other night on the lash till about, I don't know what time. But I remember just us drunkenly walking home, doing impressions of Angus Scrim, screaming, <laughs> boy, down the, the neighbourhood, <laughs> pissing everyone off at like 1am, just boy. <laughs> it was brilliant. So, That's yeah, amazing. we made a lot of good friends and we made a lot of... Um, uh, a good good impressions you know from everyone and the guys who run fright fest um they're just the absolute best they just you know they they looked after us they treated the film with respect and you know they even got a little copy of a uh, cult of vhs on vhs oh, the real deal my friends. look at that kevin don't worry we'll we'll sort you out with one we'll try and get we're trying to get a deal at the moment where we actually can get a a limited VHS run, which I don't know who would want that. But then we also have these, which Rob put together for the backers. That's the little oh, sleeve. Look at that. And then, uh, got the the Blu-ray underneath. So that looks amazing. Yeah, Kev's, so on, be... Kev's on the front as well, right? Kev's on the front. Are you, yeah. Are you both yeah. on the front? Are you on the front as well? Yeah. So you got Kev right here, yeah. and ah. then you got. Elton John right there. So <laughs> uh, they had to get all involved. my chins in. So I don't have that many chins, which I'm, you know, whatever. But hey, it's on Blu-ray. Chins on. That's not fair. Yeah, it kind of feels like they added chins. I don't know why you would do that. I don't know. Maybe maybe I pissed Rob off or something that day, and he was just like more chin or something. <laughs> I, more chin. That's the name of my next film, More Chin. Um, so yeah, <laughs> sort of digital body horror, just additional chins. Yeah, it all, all takes place on a chin. Yeah, okay, that's all I'm saying. I mean, I Gloria Bruce Campbell, it works. Good things. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, yeah, real quick, uh, I do know a company that could put those on VHS for you here in North America because they did the exact oh, wow. same. They did the same thing for, oh, God, sorry, God, I'm just going to, it's like show and tell in my store. But <laughs> I don't know if you can if, see this, but uh, so this is the last video store collection of our short films. And uh, this is a company called Videonomicon here in Canada. And they did a limited release of about a hundred of these and they sold, oh and they God. all sold out. Like this is a, the last one I keep for the shop. But because um, there so is like cool. the VHS culture, doesn't matter where you are in the world. But so yeah, so, we'll talk here. We'll talk. So you're making yeah. the last video store feature length movie as well. Yes, yes. And it's not uh, principal photography is not finished, is it? Principal photography is done. We're actually in post production. In fact, yeah, yeah. the film okay. has to be completely done to submit to the film festival circuit uh, by the end of October. So it's crunch time now. Wow. Uh, one, one more scene to film. I got to fly out to Vancouver 
to team up with uh, an old uh, friend of ours uh, who's been a guest at our film festival um, quite a few times when we did have our film festival called Dead Fest. His name is Jeremy Gardner. He's from Florida. Uh, he's a actor in a bunch of independent horror movies. Uh, you may or may not have heard of them. The Battery, Spring, um, uh, Mind's Eye. Anyways, one of the nicest guys ever. And when we first tried to film the movie in 2014 and we realized you can't shoot a feature movie for $15,000, uh you know we felt bad we couldn't use any of the footage so we're gonna try again eight years later and get him in this damn movie so um nice. it's, it's been quite the uh quite the collaboration and almost across canada process i don't know how well versed you guys are in canadian independent genre movies but um we also have the involvement of our good friends uh astron six now they're responsible for making movies like father's day manborg the editor the void psycho gorman uh, they're all going to have oh, wow. cameos in our film as well. And uh, we just got permission to use um, our good friends at RKSS. They're the guys that made Turbo Kid, Summer of 84. Uh, we're using one of their short oh, wow. films because they're a fan of our stuff too. So we have all these movies within the, the, the movie kind of stuff we got to squeeze in there. So, yeah. but That's uh, I love Turbo Kid. Such a great Oh, film. good, good. Yeah. yeah Turbo Kid's yeah. a lot of fun. People that haven't seen it, I'm like, it's Mad Max on BMX, basically, you know. Yeah, Michael Ironside. That's essentially Michael yeah. Ironside as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we, great we, film. we really loved Psycho Gorman as well, you mentioned. Yeah, I think Psycho Gorman, I think now, because the last two years have blurred into one, I couldn't tell you whether it was 2020, 2021, but it was definitely mm-hmm. my film of the year for whatever year that was. Oh, absolutely <laughs> love it. So Steve Costanzi, the director... He was like, when we showed their first movie at our fest 10, 12 years ago, Father's Day, we, we, we invited them all down. And, and uh, the great thing about those guys, those guys are super film nerds and they're video store nerds. They just hung out in my shop for like the entire day they were in town. They didn't want to leave, actually. So I'm like, well, do you guys want to go to the pub or something? Like, no, no, let's just go back to your store, man. We'll <laughs> some beers and we'll hang out there. And like, can we spend the night, it's, please? It's crazy, man. Like, because of doing a fest, we've had, you know, I've had guests in, like Danielle Harris was a guest of ours in you know, the Halloween oh. movie. She wanted to see the store. Henry Rollins was a guest of ours when we showed uh, He Never Died. Oh my he wanted God. to see the store. Um, my favorite was, um, you know, some directors are, aren't well known, obviously, when at our fest, and we show them, but then they blow up. And uh, one of my favorite guests was a, a director from Mexico. Her name is Issa Lopez, and she did Tigers Are Not Afraid uh, in 2017, which is oh, amazing. Yeah. And uh, now she's writing and directing season four of True Detective with Jodie Foster. So, but anyways, the story with her is we got fucking drunk here to like six in the morning and she kept trying to steal my Phantom of the Paradise helmet, which is behind me because she <laughs> adores that movie. And I'm like, no, Lisa, you cannot have it unless you give me a box full of your movie autograph later down the road. But it never came to be. But um, I tell you, the video store, it's magical. Yeah. And that's the yeah, thing as well, especially you know the genre that we're all fans of the horror genre i think it probably breeds some of the biggest fans of Mm -hmm. cinema and the type of cinema that you can only really find at a video store i think for all of the wonders of digital distribution and what it means to be able to get those things there are there is something very special about having that physical space certainly some of my fondest memories at a um you know a video store in tamworth where i grew up going in there and looking at things that I definitely wasn't old enough to see. The cur- the covers themselves terrified me, but there was this 
intense fascination with them. And then as you got a little older, you'd be brave enough to pick some of these up. I think still to this day, and it's uh, you've already mentioned him, Bruce Campbell, one of my favorite horror movies as a kid, Moontrap with Bruce, with Bruce Campbell in it, which I'd convinced myself in my six, seven-year-old brain was a prequel to War of the Worlds. And I just, I've linked <laughs> those two things together. Um, yeah, madness, madness. I'm still pressuring Ben to do a Moontrap episode. One day we'll get around to it. Wasn't Chekhov yeah. from Star Trek in that movie too? Walter, um, I think he was the other co-star, yeah. Uh, funny enough, I'm staring at Moontrap. It's right over there in my letter M section. Like, it's, you know, the, the thing, like the other thing, Andy, about, uh, I don't know how your video store was, but I don't know, when I was a kid in the 80s, what made the, the horror movie section so appealing was usually it would have been like kind of cornered off like the porno section where you got to go through these creepy saloon doors and it was all red lit and shit. And like, you're right. You see the covers like maniac or driller killer. And you're like, do I dare touch it? And, but you know, cause the covers were enough to sell the product. Mm. And um, that's uh, like you mentioned earlier with the whole streaming world, I actually feel bad for the younger generation when it comes to them wanting to love movies and get into it. And I get a lot of them because our local university is right beside my shop. These kids are, there's so much shit that they can watch. They're, they're overwhelmed with the senses of all these streaming sites. They need an algorithm, a proper guide still. So I just consider myself the video store algorithm. Like I will point you in the right direction, my friends. Because the real key is if you get a couple coming into my store and they're perusing and touching the, the the covers and shit, and they're looking at it. And let's say they pick three movies the weekend. It doesn't matter what they pick. They could have picked the worst fucking movie ever made, but they will watch them before returning them because they went through the trouble of coming here. Yeah. As opposed to if you're on a streaming site and you're flipping, and you're like, hey, this looks interesting. You hit click. Ten minutes in, like, meh, I'll get back to it. You'll never get back to it. Oh, ten, 10 minutes yeah. is sometimes generous. I've started Too much. On, I've started a thing on Netflix and been like, They've made a really poor font choice on this uh, on these credits. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe I'll look for something else because it is you. You don't have that same investment when your investment in choosing it was not sometimes not even a click. Right, you hover over something long enough and it'll start playing it for you. The very mm. fact, as you say, the fact that you've gone in and you've agonized over, I have a finite choice here. And again, going back to when you're a kid, you know, you're there with your with your parents or whoever, and it's like, right, you're allowed to choose one two movies this week and this is your movie that you're getting you you invest so much in that choice and then when you get to it as well you you it doesn't matter if you're kind of watching it either you'll convince yourself no no i'm sticking with this or you know you'll you'll really get through to the end of something you don't give up you watch it all i think i ever yeah. returned in all my years anything ever got returned without being watched <laughs> it's it's the old mindset like it'll get better it'll get better the ending will pay off and then it ends you're like well you know at least i watched it i mean it didn't get better but yeah <clears> I've, because how many, I've completed that i've done that yeah <laughs> because also yeah. how many films have you seen where like the final 10 minutes are that good where you're like i didn't really enjoy the rest of it but those final 10 minutes were totally worth it if i'd have seen those final 10 minutes isolated maybe i wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as i did it kind of waiting anticipating I tell you what, Ben, um, the thing that really got me on that exact example, I watched, um, it was the first watch for me, I ended up recommending it to you. I had not seen it until you know, I stumbled across it. I watched Prophecy, and it begins very, very differently. And then that little boy gets woken up by that mutant bear and gets punched into atoms by him. And then it's a roller coaster <laughs> right to the end. And it, 
you know, those things that perhaps, again, maybe you wouldn't have got that far unless you were invested in that film if you knew nothing about it. I mean, so yeah. many films which are, by some people's measures, the critics, objectively bad. Some of my favourites, like Sleepaway Camp, probably still one of my f- favourite slashes to this day. <laughs> I love part two of Sleep. I think part two of Sleepaway Camp is the best of the series. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous how it seems to be the movie of famous people's siblings starring in it. Because obviously Angela and <laughs> Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3, that's Bruce Springsteen's sister, Pamela Springsteen. And the final girl is the sister of Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez. And the final girl in Sleepaway Camp 3 is the sister of Melanie Griffith. I'm like, what? Did they just hire these people on last name basis? But hey, why not? You got any famous series. Have you got any famous no. siblings? No, get out. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to bring up the point, you know, how you were talking about, ah, the whole movie sucked until the last 10 minutes and I made up for it. That is much better than the reverse where the movie starts off with a bang. You're like, this is going to be the best fucking thing ever. A uh, movie oh, that yeah. comes to mind was Ghost Ship. You remember the oh, opening scene of oh, Ghost Ship? Yes. Everyone Great gets example. sliced by the wires like, oh my God, this is going to be brilliant. And you're just like, damn it, they gave up the money shot. It's like watching a porn in reverse, you know? The money <laughs> shot is first. Then we got to deal with the rest of it, it backwards. It's, yeah. it's, it's a bad momentum. And they actually fix the plumbing for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> or eat the pizza. Ah, yes. <laughs> oh, it turns out I do have change. Here you go. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. I'll try... I'll... Is, let's try and move on to some horror news now just to make sure we do end up talking about Night of Creeps because otherwise we're just going to be chatting shit all night which is reminiscent about the halcyon days of horror I'm enjoying myself uh, okay so in horror news the first thing is that there's a Hellraiser trailer for the brand new Hellraiser movie uh, which premieres on Hulu on October the 7th me and Andy have just done a reaction video so that will be available on YouTube Probably, probably now if you listen to this podcast. Uh, don't go, Aaron and Kev. Have you seen seen the trailer? Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it looks good. Big Hellraiser yeah. fans going in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, go on, Kev. Oh no! Well, no. All right, I'll be quick. Uh, when it comes to Hellraiser, I mean, one and two, fantastic. Everything after that, not so much. And I'm old enough. I I did see the last Hellraiser that went to theaters, Bloodline. You know, the space one. I saw that in the theater. I'm like. Well, this is probably the end of this franchise. And then after that, let's be honest, guys, from part five to, to eight, if you can even remember any of them, you can tell those were uh, like uh, scripts that were written for a totally different movie. And they were just like, fuck it. Let's throw Pinhead in for five minutes. We'll call it Hellraiser Inferno or Hellraiser whatever. So now they're claiming this movie is not a reboot. It does take place in the same universe as the Clive Barker Hellraiser 1 and 2. I don't know how they're exactly going to work that in. But um, I'm a, I think the trailer looks great. And again, the most important thing, you don't exactly have a, a high bar to get past because mm. Hellraiser has basically been done for me since part after the end of part two. So this could be the third best one, boys, I think. I didn't, I didn't realize it was, it was set in the same sort of con- continuity as one and two, but that's, in, that's interesting. Now, that, was that it, the, last one, the last one that Clive Barker was involved in, number two? His name was on the credits for number three. The only thing I remember about number three is uh, CD Head and Motorhead had that sweet Hellraiser theme song in it. Oh, uh, yeah. With Ozzy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But uh, <clears throat> you could just tell once they once they started filming in America, it just kind of went different because Anthony Hickox directed uh, 
Hellraiser 3. And of course, I love Waxwork and Waxwork 2. Um, so, but I don't know. And then, of course, with Hellraiser Bloodline, that was originally directed by Kevin Yeager, the special effects artist, but he lost complete control of that property while he was filming because it was Dimension Films and they always had to, you know, fuck shit up behind the scenes, probably the Weinsteins. And so if you look at Hellraiser 4, it's actually directed by Alan Smithy. And of course, if you know the term directed by Alan Smithy, that just means the director has taken their hands off it and said, nah, this is not my movie anymore. David so, Lynch did that with June, didn't he? Yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, the, wow. the funny thing is, though, I just, there oh, he is. Oh, nice, baby. Signed by Andrew Robinson at a Star Trek Con. I wasn't able to make it, and I knew Andrew Robinson was going. My girlfriend's a huge Star Trek fan, like me. I said, oh, can you just get an autograph? Take Hellraiser with you. And she bloody did, and he signed it as well. So I'm really happy with that one. Oh, Fuck that. yeah. Hell I'll always yeah. know Andrew Robinson as he was the first villain in the first ever Dirty Harry movie with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He always tends right. to play a prick. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, watched Deep Space Nine. <laughs> so, so this one is directed by David Bruckner, who directed The Night House. I like The Night House and The Ritual as well. I think both of those were... Ritual was fantastic. Pretty good. Love, Ritual love was it. good. Great, great uh, creature design as well. Um, okay, so it looks good. Jamie Clayton as Pinhead. I mean, the voice... Of Pinhead in this um, in this trailer was was very effective. I thought. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, I got high hopes for it. I mean, hmm. why not? I mean, they're rebooting everything in the. I mean, there was a series of like movies that started to get rebooted, like Friday Thirteenth, Texas Chainsaw, and stuff like that. But now we seem to be having a. I mean, I, I don't know what you guys think of the Halloween films, but I've I've been quite impressed by them. I've been really enjoying them. And I, yeah, I, for I me, I think reboot I, reboot good. I think my final feelings on Halloween Kills will be depending on how end Halloween ends. Blending, yeah, yeah. All right, you know, I've been talking about this a lot. A lot of my customers. Does anybody have a solid theory how this whole thing is going to end at the end of the movie? Any guesses? What Probably gives Michael's credits. power? If it ends on a cliffhanger, or it ends on a, ah, oh, I just don't know. If it turns out that Michael Myers is Paul Rudd, I mean, he I hasn't made both... an appearance oh. yet. Uh, all <laughs> right, well, die he... to... They're both going to die together, surely, right? Laurie okay, and... gentlemen, here's my theory. It won't happen, okay. but okay. goddamn, I'd be fanboying the fuck out. All right, now they did say this is the last one. They're, they're being realistic, though. They're like, look, there's going to be more Halloween movies, but this is the last one for this story. Because the Halloween franchise is so all over the place these days. I mean, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure when you start from the 78 movie. You have choices which way you want to go now, right? So check it out. At the end of Halloween Kills, you know, when, like, they're whooping Michael's ass and shit. And like, oh, man, it's over, right? Then he gets up and kills her. You're like, what the absolute fuck? But what if a movie that finally deserves respect 40 years later that involved Tom Atkins himself, we find yes. out that Michael's mask has the silver shamrock tag yes. down okay, inside. Yeah, and be. it was Carl <laughs> Cochran and his evil dominions that gave Michael his power. Oh. Well, let's take it one step further. In the third act, when things look bad for Jamie Lee, fucking Tommy Atkins, 85 years old, comes strolling in with a shotgun together. <laughs> take out Michael. They reignite their love from the fog. Because remember, in the fog, they hooked up 10 minutes into that damn movie. And the movie ends with Tommy Atkins, Jamie Lee, chilling in bed. They hear a noise. Tommy Atkins looks out the window and says, hey, there's a fog bank rolling in. 
Boom! Carpenter oh universe. God. It's all oh, there. Wow. <laughs> I will pick up my phone and I will add more stars to my Halloween kills rating right now. If that yeah. Happens. Yeah. I mean, that's like a horror fan's that, wet uh, dream right there. Yeah. I mean, literally I literally was just I'm about excited. to say like Connell Cochran and the silver shamrock thing on the back of the mask. And it's like Tom Adkins chasing down that one last mask, you know, turn it off, turn it off. And it, this is the last mask. That would have been awesome. It was, it was all, it was Tom Adkins. I'm loving it. it. Finally, the, the official rehabilitation of season of the witch, arguably, I would say it's definitely in my top half of the Halloween movies. Yeah, no, oh, but did, then we... you get to change the journey as well. So you have to go Halloween one, then three, and then go to the Halloween oh, yeah. kills and ends. So you, you get a new universe. And anyone who ever line. complains about season of which not including uh, Michael Myers can be like, well, clearly it does. Even yeah, though exactly. he, is, he, is, he, is, he is in the movie. It was a movie, forty. It was a forty-year-old strategic plan. You know, they waited forty years the long to bring game. it all together. Well, that guy's a wall. I know someone in the, the comment section is going to be like, "Yeah, but they showed Halloween the film in the bar, and it's like, yeah, that was CCTV whatever. footage." Uh, we live in a metal <laughs> world, man. We live in a metal <laughs> world. Uh, Kev, I've yeah. got nothing to add to that. I don't even want to talk no about notes. my theories. <laughs> I've got zero notes. I've got nothing to add. I don't even want to talk about my theory because what's the point? That if it isn't that, I want my money back. I, I only, <laughs> I only have one, one more theory um, that I guess is more grounded, realistic. You know, they're making it in Halloween Kills. They kept making a big deal out of Michael just standing and staring out the window. Like, what's he looking at? Now, again, at first, I'm like, well, of course, he's looking at the radio tower that's run by Colonel Cochran's evil, like, shield of shamrock thing and sending out the singles. But then I thought, who who is the one, uh, the two characters in the Halloween universe that it's never mentioned what happens to them? And I did the math in my head, and I think they would still be alive. They'd be slightly older than my parents. What happened to Mr. and Mrs. Myers? Where oh, are yeah. his parents? Okay. Maybe he's waiting for his parents to come home because they were real estate agents. They probably fucked off out of town after all that, you know, the shit happened where he killed his sister. We never found out. They never said they died of old age. They never said they moved to Florida. We don't know what happened to them. Maybe Michael's waiting for his parents to come home. I don't know. Just a thought. Okay. That's really sweet. That's quite cute and sad at the same time. Very I like sad. it. How much time is supposed to have elapsed between Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends as well? Is it like a year? Four years. Four oh, years. really? I didn't know that. Well, what has he been Yeah, doing? well, we got to give time for Jamie Lee's stomach wound to heal. I mean, I remember people were bitching with Halloween Kills mm -hmm. going. She was barely in it. I'm like, have you ever been stabbed in the stomach and it takes place on the same night and you're in the hospital? What the hell are you going to do, mm -hmm. man? I mean, that's like the only thing. You need a rest. Yeah, you need a rest. Uh, <laughs> Kills is probably the first film I've seen in the cinema where I've actually jumped in, in a long time in a film. And it's that bit at the very beginning, spoiler, where the cops are at the house and he just sort of whoop, power walks out of nowhere and just knifes the police officer. And it was it, it was the flashback uh, when he was remembering. And it was that, that sudden, whoa, shit, he just came out of nowhere. And it totally freaked you out because Michael's normally quite slow and whatever, but... This was younger Michael, and I remember shitting my pants in the cinema, thinking, "Yeah, you've got me now. I'm hooked. This is really is there, good." Is there going to be more flashback stuff? I um, hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I, you know what? I know everybody loves Jamie Lee Curtis back, but growing up as a kid, I was a Doctor Loomis guy. I loved Donald Pleasance, and I cannot believe how they pulled off uh, the actor's name is Tom Jones Senior or Junior, and they put prosthetic makeup on him, and they, somebody else dubbed the voice. He looked uh, uncanny. Yeah. I couldn't get over it. And it just made me think, I'm like, wait, 
can we do like a spinoff series now of like Sam Loomis in the 60s and 70s hunting down other killers in the Midwest, you know? Like I was rewatching Halloween 4 the other day, which is a guilty pleasure. Oh my God, Halloween man. 4. And yeah. that fucking scene where the, the reverend, the old reverend timer guy picks him up. He's like, oh, you're hunting that evil. You're chasing it, ain't you? Oh, he has the rest. He goes, I could have watched an entire fucking movie of those two guys, grumpy old men meets X-Files, traveling the U.S. and like hunting down other killers and shit. Would have been brilliant. I mean, the wonders of technology these days. Why, why stop there? Like, Dr. Loomis's boss could be Peter Cushing. He's on the phone sending him sending him on missions. <laughs> yeah. well, as long as it's not Rogue One Peter Cushing, then we should be all right. <laughs> no, we've moved along now. We'll just get yeah, we moved along, like yeah. 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 Okay. The only other piece of news I've got is that a Constantine sequel has officially been announced with Keanu Reeves returning. Um, so, yeah, 2005 was Constantine was released. I think fans have been asking for this for quite a while. But Reeves will reprise his role as supernatural exorcist and demonologist John Constantine. Uh, yeah, I, I like the original. Why not? Let's uh, let's get something. Obviously, the TV show was a bit doomed, wasn't it? The the sort of, was it a yeah. CW TV show? Yeah, if it, if it isn't yeah. the highest rating show, the second it comes out, then you're doomed to be cancelled on a cliffhanger, as is the fate of lots of TV shows, right? Yeah, how's Annie? It's it's funny how time has gone on, guys, because I remember when Constantine came out in 05, it got a lot of backlash because it wasn't like the comics. They're like, mm. well, Constantine's not, he's, he's first of all, he's British, he's not American. Secondly, he's blonde, he's not Keanu Reeves. And the movie was kind of shit on. And then, but I remember seeing this in the, in the cinema and I enjoyed it. And then, yeah, the show didn't stand a chance, even though he looked like Hellblazer, he looked like Constantine. But now here we are. It's like a Keanu Reeves renaissance. Obviously, the John Wick movies are killing it. We won't talk about the Matrix Four. That was terrible. But um, you know, you're like a Constantine sequel. I don't know if people are more excited or just like hmm, curious. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Question is, is Shayla Booth going to be back? Because he was in that first one, wasn't he? It was like young. I don't, think he, I don't think he is back unless they, obviously they're still producing it. I think. There was something that he wasn't due to return. He appears in a post-credit scene, right? If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. He dies in movie, but then yeah. in a post-credit scene, he's like, I'm an angel now. Look, got some wings here. So theoretically, the character could return, whether the actor does or not. I'm it never sure be... whether, like, where is where is Shia LaBeouf's career right now? Is he in favor or out of favor at the minute? It depends uh... on what week you're asking, I suppose. Yeah. Hey, but, but please bring back Peter Stromar as Lucifer. Like that was one oh, of my yeah. favorite devil Fantastic. depictions. Yeah, hundred percent. The only other devil depiction that I feel is equally as good with so little screen time is Viggo Mortensen in the Prophecy, the '90s Prophecy with Chris Walken. I don't know, mm. if you, know you guys have seen wow. it? If you yeah, haven't, seen it. Now. Yeah, that's a beauty. Uh, but yeah, this this sounds cool. And could this be? Imagine a Justice League Dark movie as well with John Constantine. They're producing something uh, Justice League Dark related, but you know what? We, if you want to get into DC's movie slate, there are some real life horrors that are beyond anything that would come out of the lambent configuration. That is a perfect hellscape. Yeah, okay. that's true. That's... It's probably best not to talk about DC right now. So. <laughs> Can we just not talk about DC or Marvel or, uh, it's just, it's, it's, you know what? After Endgame, I'm like, okay, hey, I'm good. I'm good. That was a good decade journey of 22 movies or however it was. Yeah. And yeah, I, a Spider-Man was great, of course, but everything since then, it's, it's like with all the Disney plus shows, it's just, 
again, this is going back to streaming sites. The streaming sites, because there's so many of them now, it feels like it, it's it's content above creativity. They just got to keep hammering out the products. It's, it's like Star Wars, the same thing, where how dare within seven years you have stolen my love of Star Wars. I will never forget what the day before episode seven opened or the day before, I couldn't even open the fucking video store. I was so excited. I was on pins and needles. I'm sure a lot of us were. I day drank for four hours with my buds. We're all hooping it up in the theater. And then, you know, I think the next one, the, the next, then we cut like three, four years later and it's opening a solo. And there was like 10 people in the theater. And I'm just like, yep, you killed it that quick. Uh, and don't even get me started on Kenobi and Boba Fett and all that shit. I mean, Mandalorian good, but the re- I know we're a horror movie thing, but you know, don't get me on a tangent. I go off. This is what I talk to my customers and shit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a new Star Wars show and Andor is released like today as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, just today. Yeah, finished watching the first episode just before I came on this podcast. So oh, okay. how was it? Uh, I need to watch episode two. Uh, yeah it's it's one of those it's very very adult it's not for kids i don't think it's very much rogue one? as if huh? okay. Is it oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of got rogue one vibes but it, it's very dirty it's very in the sense that it has more of a blade runner kind of vibe going on we're not on tatooine anymore wow, we're okay. very much checking out sort of the adult side of the galaxy i'm glad that's uh, not the Portland. adult when the adult way that you went said oh yeah it's about it's about banking and financial transactions. He's going to take the empire down via the stock market. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. uh, it's, yeah. it's funny. Uh, the, on the opposite of the adult thing, before I got to work day, I ended up, I didn't know what to think. I ended up watching Rob Zombie's The Munsters before I got to oh. the show. Oh, Okay. So I'm sure you remember the trailers they dropped. I mean, whoever cut that first trailer, I hope they lost their job. Terrible. Like, just like, this is going to be bad. But I'm like, well, I'll give it a chance because the Munsters TV show from the 60s, it's campy, it's cheesy. You know, it was like, so I'm like, okay, I'll give it 10 minutes. And then I kept watching and kept watching. And it was so fucking weird to think I'm watching a Rob Zombie movie with no swearing, no nudity, no mm-hmm. gore. This is literally, it could have been rated G, honestly. Like, it's PG. And by the end of it, I thought, you know what? It was stupid. Yep. It was silly. Yep. Goofy. Yep. And a little bit too long. Absolutely. But uh, when people come into my shop this Halloween season and they they, they want to get their young kids, maybe five or seven or eight-year-olds into spooky stuff, absolutely mm-hmm. will I be recommending it. Um is it a good movie? No, but was I entertained enough to watch the whole thing? Yep, absolutely. It it it's it's worth a watch if you had a few drinks and you you want to feel like okay, I'm gonna pretend I'm eight years old and I probably would have dug it back in that Scooby Doo era of TV. <clears throat> yeah, I was awesome. surprised. I'm about to check this out. I love the. Yeah, I mean, series. it's just I couldn't get over the fact I'm watching a PG rated Rob Zombie movie. It was so weird, you know. And and the most important thing, I can't believe I'm saying this and. God willing, don't strike with lighting. Sherry Moon Zombie did not overall annoy me in this movie. Like she was okay. <laughs> I can't okay. believe I'm saying that. I, wow, I just, that's I a. I got to check out this film now. I'm not yeah, again. Turn me around. Don't go in with high hopes, brother. You know, like remember, I went in with lowered expectations. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's not a good movie. I just was expecting complete shite, and it was. Nah, it was more like a a, a fart that didn't smell. You know. Yeah, yeah, but That's dude, you can't way. say that after you hyped up Halloween ends so oh. much for me right now that if Colonel yeah. Cochran doesn't show up, <laughs> you can't you don't get to do that, man. Expectations at an all-time high. Yeah. I mean, oh. they're, they're all the over next, the place. 
the next section of the podcast is what we've been watching. So I guess obviously you've covered that with Munster. Is there anything else at all, Kev, that you've seen in the last like seven days or so you wanted to mention? Ah, uh, shit. Uh, as, I, as I stare at my new release wall. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, you know, honestly, it's a lot of, it's a lot of old retro stuff getting like awesome new releases, um, which is what I love. Um, ah, shit balls. I wish I had a new releases wall. Yeah, tomorrow. Oh man, tomorrow I got uh, a new sexy Blu-ray import special edition of Martyrs from 2008 from Australia coming oh, in. Lovely. I, that very, movie very just nice. whew, still packs a punch all these years later. I'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, just to add know, to your um, just to add to your news there. Sorry about Disney and how much we love them right now. Yeah. I also read this morning that they are remaking and it's official. Never-ending story. I posted that shit a couple days ago and of course uh, one of my friends had to joke right away he's like well of course they're making another one it's called the never ending story and i'm like oh god it's like a dad joke man yeah, but, yeah man. I, I hear you <laughs> it's just it's not that they're re- disney's remaking everything it's just it's the cautionary tale of like and look there are good remakes but when it comes to Disney these days, they're just remaking shit because they need more content. They're scraping the ball. Like, uh, I didn't watch it, but that new Pinocchio they put out, like, what the fuck's the point of that? You know, it's literally yeah, yeah. the same movie and the, the, the reviews have been shit. Like, I'm looking forward to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio this, uh, yeah. this Christmas because, you know, he's going to put his, well, classy del Toro spin on it. But yeah, um, ah, fuck that. I think they announced a few remakes. There's just some other weird spinoffs they're yeah. doing. That. I saw the. I'm uh, waiting for them to remake Cult of VHS. That would be a laugh. Disney's Cult of VHS. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I'd love pull to your see finger, that. Pull your fingers out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw. I saw the poster for Never Ended Story. I thought it was like a fan made thing, but then I guess they have confirmed it. So, uh, yeah, why not? Um, anything? Anything else on what we've been watching? Anything, Aaron? That you've seen? Um, I'm actually re- well. I'm visiting older content because. I left Fright Fest. They at Fright Fest they had a like a whole stall of like Arrow Blu-rays oh, yeah. and stuff. I there see. was a really nice Robocop like box set, mm. which I really wish I got. Um but um I picked up Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two because I've never seen it. Whoa. And I yeah, I know. So this is like a first for me. There are that some gems that I've just been putting off for a while. So Texas Chainsaw 2 and Videodrome, <laughs> which I've any never film. seen. So I've never seen Videodrome. This, this, this is my Texas Chainsaw 2 VHS, and it's autographed oh, by Johnson, who played Leatherface. That's on my desk. Amazing. That's Brilliant. so cool. And the arrow mentioned, mentioned any film, and Kev's like looking around the store, like, right. I know I have something to represent it. Yeah. Oh, it's good. That's uh, incredible. What, what, what else, Aaron, did you say then, sorry? Uh, David Cronenberg's Videodrome. Never seen it. Oh, it was there, yeah. and it was cheap. Have you got that on VHS? Uh, oh, God. No, I used to, uh, but it's the Criterion. Uh, the Criterion editions are still some of the best sellers because the case is absolutely gorgeous. It's Over here, it's a slide-out. It looks like a Betamax tape, and it says Long with uh, the New Flesh on it. And like Just for the package alone, people keep buying it. Kev's just going to reach, reach into his stomach and pull out a VHS copy of Videodrome. That's it, yeah. Now, did you guys see Cronenberg's, <laughs> did you see Cronenberg's new movie? His Return no, to not yet. No, it's on the list. It's on the list. For a, for a watch pretty soon, but not yet. Yeah, It's, um, yeah. yeah. On the plus yeah. side, it's good to see him return to that world. On the downside, eh, middle of the road, you know. Um, mm. One of those movies that, like, 
felt about 20 minutes too long. But I'm just conversation with a lot of my customers, especially when it comes to the horror movies. I don't understand what happened to the 85 to 90 minute movie. It was like perfect. Now everything has mm. to be an hour and 50 minutes, almost two hours long. And it's just like, I get it if you're a historical movie or telling some heavy dramatic story. But if you're a slasher film, I don't understand. Like, and I don't know if you caught it at that Fright Fest, Darren, but did they not premiere Terrifier 2 there? Yeah, they did. Yeah, I didn't check it out, though. I wasn't... Okay. Um, I mean, wasn't I've heard good it. things, and, uh, you know, I know a couple of the producers on it, but when I heard the runtime, I was just, like, confused. I actually had to message them, like, tell me, your movie's not two hours and 18 minutes long, is it? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, a, a killer Art the Clown movie that's almost two and a half hours, but I don't know. Maybe, obviously, they, they must justify it somehow, so we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. You're watching these things thinking, uh, could 45 minutes be credits? Maybe. <laughs> I think, like, obviously, yeah. Rob Savage made Host, which was like an hour and something, less than an hour. And then Dashcam was maybe like 80 minutes. Is that right, Andy? Something like that. Yeah, yeah it's, minutes. Another, minutes. it's another tight one. So hopefully I, uh... that's a good, good example of, you know, the way to do it for, for genre movies, horror movies. Yeah, that was. How was Dashcam? It's it's in my shop. I haven't checked it out yet, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah you know what? I, I stand by Dashcam. I think it's an interesting watch. It was really polarizing because people had a reaction one way or the other to the protagonist. But I think that's the point. Um, I heard, yeah. yeah uh, re- refresh a memory. What? Uh, she's very unlikable. Is that? Is that? Yeah, she's she's like she's a super extreme personality, and I think she is very active especially for the time it's come out because they filmed it in lockdown right so she has a lot of strongly expressed opinions about masks and travel and things like that so i think for some people it will have hit a nerve on the fact that this is life at the minute and this is this is what you encounter every day out in the world or at the time it came out at cinemas it was just when you were allowed to start i think i live in scotland so at the time that we saw that at the cinema masks indoors were still the law here so mm-hmm. like it was just at that point where things were going so i think it was a time when people's were super heightened about that and then the point of her character is that she is a very outspoken opinionated um extreme version it's the friend that you that you have that maybe you don't see so much anymore and then the one that you see after 10 years and they are exactly the same have the same personality type and the same destructive behaviors they had when you were 18 but no one else has those anymore so much anymore um and i think it it, i think some people i think some of the negative reviews that you see of it are people who probably didn't finish the movie because they had a very instant reaction to it and didn't finish but like with lots of films i think if you get to the end of it and move through it pays off really well certainly in my opinion it, it pays off really well for what it's setting out to do and that those last few sections for the budget they will have had, I know more so than when they were starting out, but for a modest budget and the the kind of in-camera, the POV work they were doing, there's some impressive scares in it and there's some impre- impressive effects work I found as well. And it's one that you react to as well. Like there are some bits, you know, I was writhing in my seat, like because of the, you know, it shows some really good, some really yeah. good we, things uh, affect you when you go through and watch it. We covered it on a full episode as well, didn't we? Like a little while back. So we've got a deep dive of our thoughts there. 
anyone wants to listen to that. Uh, Andy, have you seen anything this week um, that you wanted to mention? A couple of things. I'll rattle off them super quick, Ben, because there's nothing. Well, there's only one thing new. So bodies, bodies, bodies over at the DCA the other day. Um, it's a lot of fun, you know. I really enjoyed it. Like, it's a smart little movie, like you said the other week. Really, for me, <laughs> I thought it was really sharply written. In many ways, horror aside, maybe feel a bit, little bit better about myself because it is very heavily marketed as a Gen Z horror movie. I'm like, I understand you and where you're coming from. Maybe the <laughs> maybe the media reaction that that different generations are completely incompatible with each other is a lie. And actually, the youth of today are all right, and they are going to do horror movies. And you know, they don't stand for everything. I don't. Um, I enjoyed it. It was loads of fun. Um, I think we're going to do a little bonus on that bonus one. episode. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Save the rest for there. Uh, I've nice. also continued continued on through the Howling movies. I've got to Howling five. Oh. <laughs> A bit like a bit like I said with Howling Four, I like the Howling movies less when they try to be more sensible. I like the Gothic Castle and the little blast of opera you get every time someone gets got in this one, but it's no Howling Three marsupials, the most batshit one ever. It's a masterpiece, Part Three. <laughs> so leave it good. to the Aussies. Leave it to the Aussies. You know, I literally, I like... literally watched Part Three today. So after Andy was talking about Two and Three last week, I went and watched Two and Three. Um, and I've yeah, pretty much got nothing to add other than what Andy mentioned, which is that yeah, werewolf orgies, werewolf marsupials, it's all there. I, I stand I, I want to revisit that question now. Before Ben had watched the howling too, he claimed that werewolves were not the the horniest of the classic monsters. Now having seen the howling too, Ben, do you eat those words? I eat those words, <laughs> I eat them whole. Uh <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely the horniest. Yeah. Horny werewolf orgies. Uh, throughout. Like some, throughout, from start to finish, pretty much. And then the last thing on my list this week was I revisited, because we've been talking about it a little bit, some classic episodes of um, you know, one of the biggest selling horror authors of all time. I checked out a couple of old episodes of Goosebumps. And what I've come away with is that <laughs> I don't know if R.L. Stein has any siblings, but if he does, I imagine they did not get on well because in everything there is a there is a horrible younger sister or brother. And in the one episode I watched, the happy ending to the story was that everything was resolved except his sister had been erased from existence. Oh, okay. <laughs> she has been wiped emotion. from the timeline. Mm-hmm. There's some memories there for sure. <laughs> mm, wow. Definitely. Uh, amazing. So but that's it. Apart from Howling 2 and 3, I also watched Speak No Evil, which uh, has been getting a lot of, well, there's been a lot of chatter all over. Is like, that the, w- that is the that WWE one? Jesus Loves the Little Children Kane one, right? No. No, that's See No Evil. See No Evil. See No Evil. Speak No Evil is, it, it premiered on Shadow this week. It's a story of like a Danish family who go to stay with a Dutch family that they meet on holiday. Uh, and obviously things aren't as they seem. I don't want to spoil anything, but this was it's so tense like all the way through and mainly from like awkward social situations but there's this like dread that runs through it as well where you're just like something's gonna go terribly wrong and i kind of can see it's gonna go in one or two directions and then it kind of goes in the third direction which is which is um very very impressive and i think very very effective it's a super unsettling horror film but it kind of nails this distressing social anxiety setting and some of the worst decisions made by characters in a, in a movie I've seen this year, just like get out of there, leave, 
why are you doing this? Please stop it. Oh, God, no. Right. Uh, I yeah. watch this as we speak. There we go. Yeah, I, I think we had a tweet asking us to cover it, Andy, so it'd be good if we both see it and we can we can have a discussion about it because there's <clears> lots <throat> to discuss. Um, All right. Sorry, okay. guys, I've still got Richard Pryor and... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've oh, got yeah, Richard yeah. Pryor and Gene Wilder in my head, and I'm thinking because you've both said the same titles <laughs> now. I'm 1989 like... was a good year, my friend. I mean, <laughs> and I, I, I rewatched. Actually, it's funny. It's totally not horrible, but I rewatched that Gene Wilder Pryor one. I literally forgot Kevin Spacey was a bad guy in that movie. Yeah. I, I'm like, oh yeah. shit! It's always weird seeing Kevin yeah. Spacey now. I'm like, damn, go away, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, it feels real, real life bad. Every guy. time he turns up, but it's like, oh. Yeah. We're not good right now, I don't think. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, well, you know, so, so, you know, See No Evil was with, there's 2006 with Kane, Glenn Jacobs himself, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and Richard Pryor. Yeah. And <laughs> Richard Pryor. <laughs> Richard Pryor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just well, stoned him, right? Chokeslam. <laughs> but I need to see, will I need to go and revisit See No Evil and yes. then an unnamed yes. No Evil before I can then watch Speak No Evil so I understand yes. what's done. No, you of have course. to watch every episode of Monday Night Raw and also every stand-up with Richard Pryor to sort of get the crossover. To get the but, crossover. But only, the, only the Attitude Era Monday Night Raw. That's, that's all I need to watch. So yeah, yeah. Nothing after that. Seven, about 2001, then you're good. Then you can just, jump in yeah, to see Evil. <laughs> just to cap this tangent, um, just be, just in case I need to make I, make I want to make sure I'm not imagining this Kane is a mayor now right he's a mayor of a town yeah. he is a mayor and he's a very very conservative republican mayor at that he yes. sure is yeah doesn't he wear is. the mask no he should that wouldn't work uh, every yeah. time he comes in for a meeting he just sort of does that and then the fire comes out <laughs> in from the, the corners of the office that's it yeah <laughs> everywhere he goes cutting ribbons <laughs> oh man Okay. What a world. Uh, so that is it for what we've been watching, apart from the movie of the week. The reason we're all here, God knows how long into the episode we are, are back to discuss <laughs> Night of the Creeps, <laughs> which is a 1986 American science fiction horror comedy film written and directed by Fred Decker. Uh, in his feature directorial debut, it stars Jason Lively, Jill Whitlow, and Tom Atkins. Um, so the main plot is around alien brain parasites, which enter humans through the mouth, turning their hosts into killing zombies. Some teenagers start to fight against them. That's not the best synopsis, to be fair. There's so much more going on because obviously it mixes in slashers, alien invasion movies, um, and definitely the most iconic role of Tom Atkins. And he's had some iconic roles, but this is mm -hmm. the most and the most quotable as well. So um, I've got a couple of choice reviews for this film. But first of all, it's, it's got 6.7 on IMDb, 3.6 on Letterboxd. On Rotten Tomatoes, a 75% critic score and a 70% audience score, which is pretty good. Uh, and a couple of, couple of choice reviews on Letterboxd. Ian West says, a perfect midnight movie mixture of sci-fi, horror and comedy. The kind of pulpy B-movie homage hybrid swill with enough heart that never breaks its integrity or descends into spoofy mediocrity uh and that's five stars so considering their description of it includes the word swill five stars is pretty generous uh and then ogami says it's a precursor to slither it's cult classic is good cheesy fun great quotable lines a fine performance from tom atkins um what's not to like that's three and a half stars 
and then never mind B movies. This is the B movie, says Emperor Cupcake. Five stars as well. Um, so yeah, everyone seems to be loving this. And this is the first time that I've ever seen Night of the Creeps. Can I yes, say that to you as well, Andy? Yeah, same. Like I was aware of Slither and I was aware of the comparisons with Slither. Um, but I'd never seen Night of the Creeps until this was a perfect excuse to get round to it. It's been on that list for a while, but content is infinite. So yeah, this was a good way to prioritize it. Content is infinite. What's that? What is your relationship with this film, Ken? Oh, my relationship. Yeah. Uh, well, I saw it at the most impressionable age, the year it came out. So I was 10. And, yeah. you know, it was that VHS cover, like the classic poster. I don't know what image they, they have on reviews, but it should be the one. Good news here. You know, the good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're dead. And, uh, you know, judging by that poster, I, th- that was another one you grabbed from the video store because the cover just pulled you in. But I thought it was going to be like a straight up horror movie. But even as a young age, you're like opening that movie up in black and white with aliens. And then it, it was obviously that opening shot was attributed to like the blob, more or less, um, with the, the, the comment coming down. But it was just a childhood favorite. And at that time, I'd already seen Tom Atkins in The Fog and Escape from New York. And obviously, Halloween 3, the greatest you know sequel ever made. Um, so it just became a love letter. In fact, it was kind of, I even forgot about it for quite some time. But in 2010, for our film fest, we tracked down the 35 millimeter print. And we had a midnight screening of it at our theater. And we had about 200 people show up. And yes, we were serving Miller in the theater. <laughs> And um, man, you could tell like it was great because everybody that came that night, they had all seen it, but they had forgot all about it until we were advertising it. Because it's just one of those movies, like you said, there's just so much content out there, especially from that decade. Like, holy shit, Night of the Creeps. Like, I haven't thought about that Mm. forever, you know? So apparently it did. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, Kev. Apparently it didn't perform too well at the box office, but obviously it has Mm -hmm. developed quite the cult following um fred decker that uh unfortunately the writer director fred decker that happened twice two times in a row two movies that did not perform well at the box office but had the cult following and of course i mentioned mm. i'm talking about his follow-up after this was monster squad so monster squad yeah, yeah. oh man i used to watch monster squad so much as a kid uh, yeah. and then he directed robocop free and well. then it killed his career you know understandably you know yeah it, it wasn't his fault, though. If you, it, I, I know I don't want to get sidetracked, but if you look at the story of Robocop 3, that was not his mm. fault. You know, they wanted to adapt the Alan Moore, or was it Frank Miller? Anyways, I think it was Frank Miller. And, and then the, the studio got all nervous because Robocop 2 underperformed. So, like, it can't be rated R. We got to make it PG or PG 13 and, uh. and flying jetpack and fucking samurai cyborgs <laughs> and what the shit? Killing off fucking Nancy Allen 10 minutes into the movie? What? What are you doing? Terrible, oh, terrible stuff. And they couldn't get Peter Weller back either. So Fred Decker, there we go. Never, never seen a chance. Oh, guy, Fred Decker, especially because mm-hmm. I mean, considering this film, which is like iconic. So what a debut sure. too, as well. Those, you know, Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad, a good, a good pairing actually. I can mm-hmm. imagine you could you could back to back those very nicely. Maybe as a introduction to horror, maybe the other round. Ben, I know you, your daughter is getting more into horror and didn't you watch monster squad or there was it last halloween a couple of years or two halloween yeah i think it was maybe last year and then as soon as there was a werewolf transformation she was like that's enough for me to just nothing out 
Yeah, no, no constraint. And I, to be fair, I think that was kind of what got me when I was a kid. The the werewolf stuff. It was always werewolves for me that scared me. Um, ben, how old's your daughter? She's twelve. So Ooh, that's, a, yeah. that's a good age. I mean, hmm. maybe our childhoods were different. I mean, I remember ten year old me, like you know, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. And the this is at ten years old. This was the movie, Return of the Living Dead, guys. That's oh, the one. That oh, movie. Jesus. That was my introduction into horror. I was six, and my dad was oh, a little what? drunk, and my mom was out, and he was like, you want to watch a horror movie? And I was like, yeah, go on then. And he put Return of the Living Dead on, and it was the first time I'd seen boobs. Uh, it was the first time I'd seen someone bite into someone's skull. I remember it shipped me up to the point where I did not want to sleep, but the music was awesome, and I really dug the awesome. soundtrack, and... Um, Oh, what's the guy who was in it? Uh, he recently passed away, didn't he? Um, uh, uh, Clue, Clue Gallagher, yeah. Yeah, um, he passed away. Yeah, he passed away. And of course, like my first childhood crush was Lania Quigley, who played trash in that movie. I mean, mm. you saw that graveyard. We used to go to the for- store. Oh, that graveyard yeah. scene. I mean, who can who can blame you? That was. Uh... Who <laughs> can blame you? Who can blame you, man? Who can blame you? Yeah. Every time I see a cemetery now, I just get the horn. Mate- didn't yeah. she have? Didn't Strip she have like some sort of walk fit- in? Didn't she have a fitness video? You've already mentioned fitness videos, but didn't yes. she? Have oh, a fitness he's got video? to get it! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm so glad that this is. I'm so glad every I love that you can do that. Lanier Quigley's uh, horror movie workout. That's insane! Wow! I, I, I drew that from like. Was that discussed in Cult of VHS? Did I imagine that? No, no, oh. we didn't discuss that. No. We should have. We should have. Well, we're gonna. I saw yeah. That. I the director, else the director of the, this horror workout, he knew what the fans wanted because I, I couldn't recall ever seeing it. So I, I popped it in my VCR last month. It was a gift from a customer. And literally the first three minutes is Linnea quickly having a shower. That's it. While the credits are rolling. Soap and her well, body up. Well, you've got to be clean before you yeah, do you've got to get right? clean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then she <laughs> talks about, you know, how, you know, it's, it's a hard life she lives. They show all the clips from all the movies she's been in, fighting <laughs> monsters, being killed. And then she's like, time for that Jane Fonda workout thing. The zombie dancers are behind her and shit. So I'm, I cherish it. I'm very happy I have mm. this in my store now. You're looking pretty yeah. slim as well, I must say. Mm. <laughs> Popping that one in a fair bit. <laughs> yeah, it works. It really does. Okay. <laughs> so, so, Aaron, what's your what's your history with this movie? I guess I know that it was it was your suggestion to bring along, right? So I imagine you have a, a deep fondness for this one. Yeah, because I thought I was being quite high and mighty saying, you've never seen Night of the Creeps, and I'd only seen it two years previous, so uh, <laughs> high and mighty words to sort of go in there. I actually, well, all right, okay, so I saw Night of the Creeps just before the pandemic, I think, a couple of years before the pandemic, and the only reason I found out about it was because I watched In Search of Darkness, and I remember seeing Tom Atkins and thinking, yeah, I got, I got to pop this one in. So I, I went out and got it. And I think I watched it on Halloween night with my brother. And we were drunk and we never had so much fun watching oh, yeah. this film. And I was so surprised that this one slipped through my net that um, it just became a little bit of an obsession. Like every once in a while, it's kind of like a comfort movie. Every once in a while, I'll stick Night of the Creeps on. And um, yeah, there's just something about it that just... It has all the bits of the 80s I love. It feels a little bit like a John Hughes movie every now and again, or it feels like Animal House. But at the same time, it feels like an Ed Wood movie. You know, it's 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 got a bit of Plan 9 from Outer Space in there where it kind of feels like they're throwing the kitchen yeah. sink in. But for, for me, it works. For me, 
the combination of our, our lead actor and and um I've forgotten the name of the uh, the girl in it. Um she was in Freddy's Nightmares. Kev, do you remember her name? Oh shit, the I can't actress? remember. I was gonna ask is it, is it Jill Whitler? She was in Freddy's Nightmares in one of the episodes. Um oh, really? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, so I, it's Jill Whitlow who plays Jill Cynthia, Whitlow, Cronen that's Cynthia Cronenberg, and she was in an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Mo called Mother's Day. That was it, Mother's Day. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I only know this because I got the bootleg Blu-ray not long ago from a friend. Thanks, Camille. And um, she appeared in the episode, and I thought she was Sarah Silverman because she does look a bit like her. And then yeah. I remembered, yeah. oh, she's from Night in from in Night of the Creeps, and um, and then of course you got Tom Atkins and. Every scene he's in just fucking steals mm. it for me. And you just know that he's going in with purpose in every scene. And he just doesn't give a fuck at this point, I think. And there's just that line. I think one of the first lines he does is like, is this a crime scene or the scene from a bad B movie? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, he gets it. Yeah, he knows. He knows. He gets Obviously, it. there's loads of Easter eggs as well. The character names of like the main characters, all their surnames are named after like famous, famous directors. Mm. Um, Jason Lively plays Chris Romero. Uh, Steve Marshall is... JC Hooper, you've got Cynthia Cronenberg, Jill Whitlow, who you obviously already mentioned, but then we've also got like Detective Landis, Sergeant Raimi. Uh, it's yeah, it's great. It's really fun to to sort of see those homages and try and uh, try and like work them out and stuff. That's really cool, um, and a great cold open as well. Mm. It's just uh, it feels like really a lesser film wouldn't bother with the initial opening. I mean, even as far as the the black and white section, but even within that section, how many films go to the expense of having a whole bit with aliens that you don't that you don't see again until the until the the dying seconds, right? We get like a whole must have been a fairly significant investment to do. A couple of those little station-looking guys chasing each other. You can tell which ones are the goodies because they've got pupils in their eyes and the baddies, the baddie doesn't. And mm. he, you know, like again, especially for a film of the time or or a you know the things it was taking in, inspiration from like the blob like you mentioned you would be forgiven nay expected to just have it fall out of the sky without explanation and and you would you wouldn't think to ask for one you wouldn't be there with your like little oliver the orphan with a bowl saying please sir an explanation you'd never get one <laughs> uh, but but they but they give you one you get to see this they invest in having some aliens chasing each other and and it firing off there and tonally very different from what follows right we go from a the color out in space to a black and white opener phenomenally done loved it i was mm. yeah so this opening is obviously it's 1959 we're on a spacecraft there's two uh aliens chasing another alien dude and he's got like uh how would you describe it so like a canister filled with big old, big old jar of slugs. Yeah. <laughs> big old jar of slugs. Doesn't want to get uh, caught without the narcs are after him, so he flushes it. <laughs> the little naked, <laughs> little naked asses of these aliens just like running along. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, crap me up. And uh, yeah, he ejects that out into space. This this thing of, but he's clearly got no respect for waste in in space. Space waste. Because it's only goes, only goes and lands on on Earth, where everything's black and white, and it's the fifties. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and everyone's having a thing, and then you know, there's lots of nice organic putting things together. Everyone's having a lovely old fashioned gossip in the dorm room, 
um, slagging off someone's someone's ex-boyfriend because he's gone and got himself a shit job like policeman. Like, when is a policeman a shit job? I know. <laughs> I was always confused. Like, he's a cop. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he protects lives and nah, he's a shit job. Yeah. You better than that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a shit job. My other book, my new boyfriend who has a car <laughs> and otherwise no no the new boyfriend the new boyfriend i mean how are, how old are they supposed to be are they like college age they're at, they're they're college, yeah. this guy looks like at least mid 40s this dude uh, <laughs> that's, that's casting in the 80s my friend that's you know as well as i do that's it Jenny yeah. 13th movie they're not teenagers <laughs> it was <laughs> the 50s man a lot guy... of people looked older mm. yeah yeah, Thanks look at lot. Steve McQueen in the blob, like the original blob, right? He was supposed yeah. to be 17 years old. Even back then, <laughs> his first movie, he looked like he was 30. He had gray on the side of his hairs, you know? The thing yeah, is, that's a stressful a, childhood. You yeah. had to do it because obviously when you, know, you look at photos, when you're a kid and you look back and think, oh, yeah, my, my grandparents were, you know, maybe in their 60s when I was a kid. But sixty in nineteen, you know, sixty in nineteen seventies, eighties money is eighty years old now. Like, oh. like, yeah, it's like filming horses, and you have to paint. You have sorry when you have to paint horses to have cows on film. It's like that. You have to make sure you make these adjustments. Um, I was trying to work out how old Tom Atkins was when he did this film because he, he twenty two, twenty. <laughs> <laughs> in eighties years, yeah, that makes sense. I yeah. want to say Tommy was. Um... Late thirties, early forties when he did it. No, he I looks like know. he's in his fifties. Really? I know. Uh, so we're, he was we're born in 1935. Thirty. Oh, Shit. all right. He would have been fifty, okay. more or less. They shot at eighty-five. You were, right. you were doing the you were doing the eighties casting thing to the nth degree. Then just like hang on a minute. Yeah. So. And... Go on, burn it. Wow. Fifty. Shit, man, does that mean when Halloween ends, we're gonna see 86 year old Tommy 86 Atkins year old come Tommy in? Yeah. Atkins, yeah, all right, I'm down That's with it. That's with fine because how old Michael Myers is supposed to be at this point? Same age, Michael Myers no. killed his sister in 1963. Seven. He was six, so he was born in 57. Uh, yeah, he's um, he's in his mid 70s. Yeah, Jesus wow. Christ. I think we had the same discussion when we were talking about um, the latest Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie as well, like how old Lever- Leverface was supposed to be. Ugh. All these like geriatric killers, man. Well, they've both been in the, both of them have been in the care system. So balanced diet, no snacks, no darts to punch in there. So <laughs> wow. good cardio. <laughs> Great cardio. Uh, Great okay. Cardio. <laughs> so after, so yeah, so the college dude and his girlfriend, I like that. This, how this connects to the the plot line in 1986 and Tommy Atkins character is great because I didn't make that connection it straight away um so it's good when it's kind of like revealed um well throughout a dream sequence as well but onto a to... classic makeout zone only to see boyfriend who's wasted his life by becoming a policeman they were just slagging off turns up to tell him hey there's a lunatic escape oh it gets all disappointed <laughs> <laughs> all right. who's that guy just someone from my past. past. <laughs> you know what? Just stay here. There is, a policeman. there is there is a lunatic on the loose. Just stay here. All right. Just stay here. Enjoy yourselves. Beautiful. Idiots. And then there is um, the crash landing of an object, a falling star, which I think they believe, uh, which lands not far away. And the college dude, was the college dude got a 
got a name in this? He's just called uh, Steve? Shadow, Shadow Brad Chad, or Steve. Something generic and douchey. Biff. Yeah. Typical. Biff. There's a character called Steve here, so that must be him. He goes to investigate, um, and he basically gets a slug leap out uh, straight down into his mouth, which is yeah. which is terrible, you know. Really sorry for him. I li- what I like here is that we don't kind of like see what happens next. We don't see, you know, him get put on ice or anything like that. We kind of just cut immediately forward 27 years. Well, of course, obviously we see the axe wielding maniac moment as well. Um, which kind of goes this alongside. Is... There's this good tension with the Axwood and Maniac approaching the car with with the girl in, and also obviously Steve getting slugged. That, that those two moments go along side by side really well. I think this is the moment where you really get the idea of what you're in for when you hear the radio broadcast of, "Hey, there's a lunatic who's on. He's escaped from this area. And he's on this, and she puts the lights <clears> of the car on, and it's the road he's been I walking along." Oh, approximately mm. three miles from the dorms. It's like dorms three miles. Like that is, this is high praise. I'd, I'd say this is like airplane levels of, of like yeah. comedy and like that, that you're writing in there. Um, yeah. Airplane level joke writing on this one. It's great. Like, yeah, small Beautiful. town, Aaron. They only had like the sheriff, mm. deputy sheriff and Tom Atkins. Who's, you know, Tom Atkins. Yeah. And Tom and Atkins. no one wants to be a policeman in that town. All the, all the real up-and-comers are working at Maccas and so on, you know, where the real money is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being the cool boyfriends. Yeah. There's about as many cops in this town as, you know, Camp Crystal Lake County. Like, where are the <laughs> cops after all that shit? You think they would have hired more law enforcement just in case? Per capita, you'd have asked Jessica Fletcher to move in for to really, like, cut down on that, that crime. <laughs> uh, okay, so we flash forward, what, 27 years? It's the, the 80s now, as if this film couldn't have got better. Now it's landed itself in the greatest decade mm. um right in the middle of well we've seen like toilet roll toilet paper get over trees pledge week is that what's called pledge week i believe so uh i'm not american college culture is very different than canadian so uh, but yeah mm. the pledge week and the frats and all that shit so yeah. similar to british culture i think nothing makes us less comfortable than the concept of joining in yuck <laughs> oh, oh come on really you've not sat down and gone Gryffindor <laughs> absolutely not until recent events I've never heard the BBC try and get me interested in something more uh, to, le- to less success this week they tried to top it but you know um, yeah. <laughs> James I mean you know what I mean a good pair of men of, main- of like I just love their relationship it's like I wasn't entirely sure. I didn't kind of explain. I think, I think, yeah, he is, he is, the character is crippled. I don't believe the actor was. So I found it a very curious choice to go with that, especially in the eighties. Yeah. I mean, I mean, great. Talk about inclusion because most handicapped characters in the eighties were, well, I mean, in horror movies, I can only think of poor Rick in the wheelchair in Fratine Part Two, and he gets the worst. Um, well, we but... literally just covered Silver Bullet last week. Where oh, yeah, of course, yeah, in the wheelchair as well. So, yeah, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah, Franklin. Yeah, but uh, uh, with crutches, hmm. that 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 might be uh, one of the only. And, and yeah, probably one too. I wasn't sure whether he was like recovering from an injury or something, but here in the description it does say disabled. So, um, yeah, so it's pledge pledge week at Corman University, um, where they're going around basically just instantly falling in love with people they see. 
which happens, you know, sometimes the hormones are running wild. <laughs> you know, wow, <laughs> you, you got into dad mode straight away. Hormones oh, are running wild. I, I understand what it's like, okay? Hormones running wild. <laughs> you see a woman from across the way, you're automatically in love. I mean, I feel like that sometimes. It's, it's, it's a nice love, it couldn't be anything else. It's pure, yeah. unadulterated <laughs> love. It's all it's got that great school feeling about it because everybody, he does say, marriage. I'm gonna marry her, and yeah. it's yeah. like. It's not, it's not, I'm, I'm going to, it's just married. It was the eighties. There was no social media. So meeting, uh, meeting other uh, members of the opposite sex was a lot tougher. So you got to cling on to what you see back mm. then and don't lose track of them. Cause if they disappear right from you, marriage. you can't find. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently. I asked Mint Mobile's legal team. If big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation, they said, yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Find them on Tinder or whatever fucking site people are using these days, you know? You could... You could definitely be in love with someone based on the concept of those great common, you know, there's great common threads that tie you together, like being in the same set for maths, things like that. Those are the it's things that really bind the relationship. My Isn't it weird that your soulmate ends up going to the same school as you? Well, I guess so, but you know, I don't control the universe. <laughs> it was meant to be. That's why she, that's where they're a soulmate. Yeah. You don't. Exactly. A real altruist. Like obviously they've changed since the eighties, but JC with his disability has, basically resigned himself to the fact that he's never going to meet anyone so has and he openly says this it's like well mm. uh, i'm i'm never going to i'm never going to meet anyone so i'm investing all my energy into hooking you up my good friend the ultimate wingman absolutely yeah. awesome. Dis- d- despite being a quick-witted charming quick. man yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, he, so he uses his power to help his friend and he goes over and deals with the fact that his friend who is in love with this woman and is going to marry her to introduce herself and to ridicule a monobrowed footballer player. There's, I think there's a phone call for you in the house. Yeah, like, there's oh, a yeah, phone call so... for you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, does, what does he call him? What does he say his name Biff is? Mongo? It was. <laughs> I can't. Mongo Jerry. He does uh, call yeah. him Biff, I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Biff but, or Mongo. Uh, well, he comes... 
he comes back, but obviously in this time, I think Cynthia's charmed by the scenario, and obviously a gesture over to Chris, who's standing across the way, my friend over there, and he turns and automatically immediately spills a drink over another guy. Yeah, humiliating. Um, but yeah, essentially they get tasked. They meet Cynthia's boyfriend, um, who's worse. Brad. The worst, the worst bloke of all, Captain Red Flags himself for this movie. Captain I see, Red Flags, bumped up collar, Aryan blonde hair. Oh yeah, he bleached eyebrows too. I mean, he was like super blonde or wow, almost albino-y. Like, yeah, yeah. It didn't seem. They sure knew how to it? really paint a picture of villains of that era in the college years in the eighties. You know. It wasn't mm. actors like that and uh, William Zabka, Johnny Lawrence, and those kind of guys. I mean, they were always the bad guy. Don't trust the blonde hair. I don't care how pretty they are. They're pricks. I was just That's a bad it, guy. man. They even made Christopher Walken blonde for James Bond. So you just know there was something in the air with blonde oh, yeah. hair. Or stuff, if, if you guys never seen it, uh, Sean S. Cunningham's awesome 80s flick, The New Kids with James Spader and Laurie Lawton, and Spader's the bad guy. If you, you Google in James Spader, New Kids, you have to see his hair and his eyebrows. It's insane. Like, full-on albino, evil as fuck call, uh, high school student. Like, with guns and shit. Like, Jesus. Keep that title in mind, New Kids. It's amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, and Tom Atkins is in that fucking movie, too. Oh, He's oh he is as well. Oh, just realized Michael that. Williams. Yeah. Oh wow. oh wow, that is really blonde. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're looking at it, James I'm Spader. Yeah, up. yeah. Just looking at it now. Oh, if, there he is. If you got time later, just watch the trailer, boys. Remember, it's from the director of Friday the Thirteenth, so it's worth a mm. watch right there. there and he it's is. got Tom. He's... You have me at Tom Atkins. He's well, honest. don't get too excited. His is more a glorified cameo on that one. You know why? Because oh. he was busy filming this movie. That's why. Oh. So he just so, popped yeah. along to see another bad blonde kid. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that was, but not to get sidetracked. But the whole point of that that dramatic tale was '80s blonde meets evil. Like it just it just means evil. <laughs> you know, that. And, yeah. and the most uncomplicatedly evil as well, because you know your other villainous roles in you know movies of youth. You know, you get like a Biff Tannen that you've you've had him. He's not complexly evil. He's just a a bad bloke. Um, but like he isn't hasn't got the same sinisterness as we have from Brad here, uh, who yeah. then yeah. sets our, our plucky heroes on a very questionable task to, to very join, questionable join, task. join join the front. Yes, yeah, steal a body. Yeah, but that's just like something. This is where I thought it sort of became a bit Animal House because they do mention in Animal House yeah. like uh, sending cadavers to the alumni dinner or something like that. <laughs> and it was like sending the cadavers there, so. I, you know that there's there's some sort of like Animal House like inspiration right there. Kevin's mm-hmm. gonna go pull out Animal House now. Is that right? Yeah. I no. Wish. I know I have uh, the VHS though. Actually, I'll be back in one minute. I just gotta switch my sign to my customers back at. I'm gonna add an extra hour on that sign. So if you're done that, <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. I'll do it. Yeah. He sends. Should we dye back. our hair blonde before Kevin gets back? Really yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, don't don't mention anything. Don't go all village of the damned on me. That's <laughs> we'll stay right here. <laughs> so obviously, in order to, I guess, it's to impress Cynthia or to kind of get her attention because they, they want join, it. join think, a fraternity. Yeah, they want to join the fraternity that she that she's associated with. So she will 
given the time of day effectively. Although she seems you quite willing the, to give the time of day already. Did you enjoy that? It's all Greek to me. Line. Yes, very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. I mean, she's quite questionable in itself. Like, she can't just only be realizing that he's a bit of a dick. Like, yeah. at this point, like, she must have seen stuff or mm. or been witness to stuff or whatever. So it kind of makes me think: Is she a good person? Is okay. she not? It's like, uh, and then all of a sudden, these guys show up, and you know, oh, they're so different. They're so funny. Well, one of them's funny, and one of them's quite cute, and whatever. But it just seemed a little unrealistic to me. But again, I let it slide because. You like know, the movie yeah, as, yeah. as a whole package, it kind of works for me. I just expect all 80s films about school, high school, college, and whatever to be like that. So it's very easily forgivable for me. If it was set in Britain, I'd probably laugh that shit out the door, to be honest. But to be um... fair, I guess it's I guess much like we've spoken about, you can look at someone from afar and be in love with them in those days. Maybe she had been stuck into that, you know, she'd seen him from a distance and it really took him kicking the crutches away from a disabled man to to really shatter that illusion. <laughs> That's how they met. Maybe you're not so. Maybe you're not so bad. Maybe you're not so good. Oh, care with the elderly. Oh. <laughs> but so, yeah, the ta- some, they're tasked with missions. stealing a cadaver from the university medical center and depositing it, depositing it on the steps of a rival fraternity house. Um, which, yeah, which you you know, for people of normal persuasion, you might be like, nah. I get involved in that, but no, Chris and JC decide to put their minds to put their heads together and go and try, well, at least attempt to do it, but it doesn't quite work out for them. And thankfully, uh, you know, arguably until the, the death of it, they're doing quite well because they strike a bit of luck that a young scientist has only remembered three of his, of his four digit passcode numbers. Classic. <laughs> And then well, gone, oh, I've got to go and make a phone call to do this. And unfortunately, 80s technology, there isn't a timeout function. It will it will leave you hovering on that last number indefinitely, giving anyone who walks past a one in ten chance of just get of just getting in. <laughs> yeah. Please That's tell just us some good writing, boys. Into- That's some good writing right there, you know? <laughs> Clever. This is how you get it out in a tight 90. Yeah. You know, it, you, you're making another movie. That's yeah. another, that's another twenty minutes that you're adding in there. If someone goes right. How are we going to get it in there? When they're going to meet this scientist character who they befriend, who's like, "Come and help me with the experiment, boys." And of course, as <laughs> as all children in the eighties, you probably should have at least one friend who is an elderly professor. You could have got twenty minutes in there, but they shortcut that and just have a door with only one number left to open it. Yeah, of course. Mm, yeah. Wow. So they go in and then there's a corpse in like a cryogenic tube, I guess. Don't worry, uh, though, not naked. He's got some big John Spartan pants on to, to preserve his dignity. They had to make sure Steve was covered up. You know, it's, it, did we, it was Steve, right? That was his name from yeah. the 50s? Yeah, yes. Steve. Yeah. So Steve from obviously from the from the first scene. Um, yeah, and they let him out and he, and he just... Well, it's weird how they let him out because they kind of just like... Just kind of guide him out, just like, oh, whoops, oh, come on in, come in, then be careful. Um, yeah, and then what happens is he just collapses and they, the si- they, he grabs he, them, doesn't he? Grabs the arm. Ah, that's right. Yeah, they grabs they, the arm. They, they drop scream him and leg, and leg it. it. Hmm. Yeah, as you as you were screaming like banshees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screaming, screaming like, like banshees. <laughs> and uh, the professor. Is it a professor? The dude like sees them running out. His and name, he gets knocked over. His name is just Young Scientist. In a world where everyone's got like uh, everyone else has got like a horror movie director, but this fella, absolutely stiffed with just Young Scientist. 
Yeah. <laughs> could have been anything. But that, that, I, I believe that actor, that young scientist, his face popped up in many movies for many, a uh, yeah. couple more I decades. That dude, yeah. yeah. So you will also see young scientist, aka David, David Paymer. You know, That's it. 13 Paymer. is in Horse Girl. He's in Quiz Show. Get, get Shorty for get sure. Shorty. We know get Shorty. Oh, <clears throat> prime real estate. How would the duck? Wow. <laughs> He's hot. Oh. From Young Scientist in Howard the Duck, he is Larry, comma, scientist. I got promoted. <laughs> so okay. now, he is, now he is named scientist by the time he gets to Howard the Duck. So, so after they flee, he goes in there, doesn't he, the scientist, and he gets killed. Does he get killed off screen? Is it just like... Um, uh, you, see, you see the slug, I believe, fly. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. He gets a slug in the gob, and then by... And this is when we get Tom Atkins getting his call, right? Oh Absolutely. yeah, we cut. He's uh, he's on the beach, isn't he? He's, he's uh, on the beach. His dream scene. Yeah, and the woman. She. I remember she comes out of the. His, his girlfriend, it's right? Like comes out of the water. Yeah. Done in reverse, which I thought mm-hmm. was. I think it was the. Yeah, that's it. I remember now. And then he wakes up from his dream, or he goes into the nightmare, doesn't he, to establish that he's the same cop that was yeah back yeah. in the fifties. So he's. Yeah. I like he's it. I like how it's him like. At his current age as well, back back in 1959, kind of just and it's in color as well. That was a nice touch. Yeah, um, and obviously witnessing his his ex girlfriend being butchered as well. Yeah, and then he's woken up by the phone call, which is obviously called into this cryogenics lab break in, where there are two bodies. How many? Two. There's two bodies. That's, that's not going to change by the time I arrive, is it? Absolutely not. You can count on that. Okay, I'll see you in a minute. Gets down there, and you'll never <laughs> guess what. Only one now. <laughs> only one and obviously yeah we get the iconic line frill me which is pretty much how he opens any interaction with anybody in this in this uh movie which is great i'm taking but that it, but with him it works if if i was to walk around doing that during my <laughs> my normal everyday like oh yeah my mom like hey Aaron, that'll thrill me like it'll be like the fuck's wrong with you like it doesn't make any sense (laughs) when you sit down for dinner (laughs) thrill me me. that's it coffee from starbucks thrill me uh yeah sure but with him it works that's because he has the atkins attitude you know certain dialogue can we work with certain humans on this planet tom atkins was brought here to deliver just those two words over and over (laughs) it's true it's true uh, i agree if you see him, like, if you ever get a chance, Tom Atkins at conventions, people want that 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 catchphrase said by him more than anything else he's ever done. It's just a fact, you know. Wow. Either that or it's Miller Miller time, one or the other. Miller time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got, so, he's got some great lines in this, and uh, he works. He's just a perfect character for it as well. Just like, uh, how would you say, like this, it says here, like a haunted cop. Obviously, he's, he's been through a lot of trauma in his past with obviously his ex-girlfriend being murdered the way she was. Unlike his first uh, week as a policeman as well. That is a poor start to a career in policing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And obviously he's been on, he's been doing it for like what, 30 years or so. Well, less than 30 years, but nearly 30 years. And uh, mm. he's probably seen it all. And hey, Ray Cameron. Um, so he goes down to the cryogenics lab break in, but one of the bodies, the one that seems to have been in the cryogenics um, tube is gone gone missing um and would you say belittles the other cops who clearly <laughs> who clearly don't know clearly misplaced the body have you misplaced the body yeah i think so i was there a minute ago but sorry 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, but then we do see that this corp, this this guy is obviously a reanimated corpse making his way towards the soror- sorority house. Um, and it's not, it's the same sorority house where he picked up his date 27 years ago. Mm-hmm. He's still on his mind, you see. He's still thinking about that date. Um, and obviously that is where Cynthia is. And we kind of introduced to her sorority and all her friends there as well. One of the it's one a... of one of the bookish um, students. You can tell she's a nerd because <laughs> she has glasses and she wants to put Chekhov's brains. Chekhov's tray of brains down in the basement. Yes. Talk about <laughs> yeah. good, good, heavy-handed foreshadowing. Uh, just, just put them in the cellar. Put them in the cellar. Chekhov's tray of brains. Chekhov's cat at the door. Yeah, yeah. All uh... of his stuff. All of his stuff is around. Like. Um, yeah, they, yeah, cat cat knocks at the door, gets that in. It's all right. It's just a nice cat for the minute, but that's going to come back. Um, classic, you know, classic sorority house stuff. People getting slowly changed. Probably takes um, Cynthia a good twenty five minutes to put a jammies on. God bless. Yeah. <laughs> God bless. It just seems like ah, oh, just do your edit, wouldn't you? You can have a quiet moment in the house. You can just have a quiet moment to yourself if you're a bookish. And you just wanted to read the latest, I don't know, you Mills and Boone. Sit, you have to sit down in the abandoned living room with the French doors. <laughs> yeah. And then, the cat's, Chekhov. Then, the, then the cat's scratching at the door as well. Not a minute's peace. Oh, I can't get any fucking peace. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I love so, that. So, yeah, what happens? Uh, Cynthia um, goes back to By the time her... she's got a nighty on, a bit yeah. of rap, 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 rapping on the chamber window. Yes. Only a, only a gurning ghoulie man. Gives her a right old start, but she, she thinks best not to mention it. And then the zombie also doesn't really follow up on it and just goes and collapses on the steps of the, what is it? Is it, is it the house mother? Is that a middle-aged uh, lady uh, that lives in the sorority house with all the teenagers? Yeah, sure. Her house is behind the sorority house, though, I believe. Yeah. It's like that, that yeah. cottage. The house yeah, mother's right. cottage, they call it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. you're 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 right about uh, him not doing much. It's like it took all of his energy to walk up the the fire escape stairs to reach your window, and then, yeah, that was it. Damn, gone. Just wanted yeah. to give her a scare. Uh, yeah. So when he collapses, his head like split splits open, doesn't it, and re- releases yeah loads slugs. of slugs. I tell you, they uh, are they fast. are harrowingly fast slugs. Yeah, I think you could see the little, you can see the Fred pulling them along yeah, a few times. Yeah, you do see that on the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. still that's cool not though, the charm, though. I mean, you want to see it at that point. You know, it just adds to the campiness. If they yeah. digitally yeah. removed it, I would feel not happy about that. Mm. It's like in Evil Dead Two. If they wanted to, they could digitally remove that wire where the eyeballs flying through the air. Well, what's the point? It's part I of the think. charm of the movies. Just leave it there. You know, exactly. it works. So. Then Detective Cameron gets called to the scene, finds the body. Um, and do they inter- interpret the the like split head as like an axe wound? Do they say that? They say like, I think someone's someone's axed him to death. I think they consider it to be. To oh be a yes, murder. because that's when he starts thinking that it's uh, the killer from yeah. way back when. He starts getting paranoid. Um, Absolutely. Again, that's just a really that... odd coincidence to have in the narrative, isn't it? Where it's it looks like an axe wound, but completely unrelated. But that storyline mm. is going to come back later on down the line. Yeah. So and I guess yeah. it's, a bit, shows, it's a bit strange. It shows his paranoia. It shows his mindset going into this as well, that he still hasn't come to terms with so many things himself that it's all sort of 
constantly there in the matter. I guess it probably has been for years and whatever crime he was looking at, that was always present. And now this crazy scenario is how he eventually manages to to confront those those thoughts and feelings. To be so, fair yeah. to Tom Atkins and his understanding of forensics, I'm not a forensic scientist, but we don't never know claim to be. That's the yeah, I never have claimed to be a forensic scientist, but we don't know that an axe going into the face doesn't give the same impression of slugs coming out of it. Could could, could that just be exactly the way it happens? Could very we well go. be. Isn't that the yeah. first thing they teach you at forensic school? Second. 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 It was the 80s. Sorry, it was a different time, guys. The 80s yeah. were a different yeah. type of teaching. Yeah. Uh, so, do that. Head opens up. Yeah. We, we were in a pre CSI world. No one else, you know, not everyone was thinking, ah, Gil Grissom, that's me. I know it all. Like people are just, you know, you take things at face value back then. That's right. Axe face value. Um, face value. So Chris and JC go back to their dorm and we're introduced to that. I like the little space they've got going on. Little back-to-back study in space. Uh, it's nice. This is where they have uh, like a little bit of depth with the character, isn't it? Because at first he's like, <clears throat> fucking hell, I'm so pissed off that you've made me steal a body. And said, oh, we shouldn't have pushed it out the wrong way. And then we just get great classic um, male friends having an argument, right? Where something balls away, one tells the other one to fuck off. And then two minutes later, they're all friends again. No, no, two minutes later, they have a pillow fight. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what happens, all right? That's what happens. And now all's forgiven. Yeah, 80s, bromance, you know, 80s bromance, gentlemen. That's how it worked. Just looking on there the cast go. list here, it looks like Shane Black plays a cop in this as well. Well, Black, really? That makes sense, yeah. because don't forget, Shane Black and Fred Decker, they worked together to write the Monster Squad. Yeah, and, that's what I was thinking. Um, yeah. They're buds. And of course, unfortunately, the two of them reunited to make, dare I say, The Predator from 2018. Mm. Oh my goodness. Which was one of my worst cinematic experiences in quite some time. Uh, what happened to yeah. Shane Black? Terrible. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a huge disappointment, definitely. Um, okay, so what, what's the next sequence so- in? I, I forget now, like, do they get caught and questioned by Tom Atkins because they turn themselves in, or does Rotten Grass, as well as Bad Bloke, Brad, like, dob them in? Doesn't the, no, the janitor, the janitor, the, the janitor, janitor witness them. Okay, fine. He I'll, identified take it them back. I will, because I he saw them. retract. <laughs> Sorry, Brad, you're a bad bloke in a lot of ways, but you're not a no. You're not a grass. You've done a lot of bad yeah. things, right? You've not, you've knocked a disabled guy over, not to kick his crutch out from under him, but you're not a grass, okay? That's okay. the worst. But yeah, the but the but the the janitor who saw them running away like banshees. I won't do it in his voice; it was problematic Scream. enough. But he was <laughs> screaming like banshees. <laughs> so they confess to the break-in, don't they? To to Tom Atkins, they confess immediately. To him, they deny confess. deny moving the corpse. They, they they essentially tell the truth, which is we commendable. ran away. All right, lads, we ran away. Yeah. Grabbed me, I ran away. Um, yeah, and then. After that, we see, I think it's that night, we see that dead medical student who was murdered. Um, he sits rises. The, yeah, sits up at the morgue. This is basically, if you work in a morgue, never turn your back to, to the old slab, all right? Never turn your back. Mm. Um, and is it, also, there's a cop as well that's always eating, like at crime scenes. Have you noticed this guy? It was the 80s, man. I just presume <laughs> that's what they did. Yeah. Cops always <laughs> ate. That to it is hungry work being a policeman. You've got no career prospects, so you might as well snack. 
<laughs> be fair, when are you going to get a chance to eat as a cop, to be fair, if you're in a horror film? Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You need them calories. <laughs> You've got to get them calories. On your feet you, all yeah. day. Exactly, so, exactly. So, yeah, um, um, this guy, right, the medical student gets up from the slab, kills the, the mortuary assistant, or what is he, just the mortician? Sorry to downgrade you to a system, mate. Didn't mean to do that. Apologies. Yeah. And then when he walks past the cop, this is good because obviously the cop does, isn't really paying attention and just says, "See you tomorrow." Yeah. And then yeah. does he get the does he get the janitor as well? I so think he, he gets, gets the janitor, doesn't he? Yeah. Gets his yeah. come up. Gets his comeuppance for being a being a grass. Yeah. He might be a grass, but he's a lovely man. You know, he's having he's having a good laugh about it. He was like, "I'm just reporting." It's the message a crime behind here. Night of the Creeps: Don't be a grass. Yeah. <laughs> don't be a grass no matter what the scenario yeah but you know it's it, i'll tell you what in many ways he did inform the police on them but he's got so much pleasure out of seeing those two guys run out screaming like banshees he's laughing about it a good day and a half later <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. it's a gift that keeps on giving it made him so happy if that's the price he's got to pay for happiness for at least two days then to be fair his life is probably isn't coming Last back as a, yeah, he's not coming back as a ghost because his he has no unfinished business. He's experienced it all. No, he's done. He's done. That was it. He he was he was checking out the door like he had the time of his life, man. Screaming like banshees. Yeah, yeah. they were probably saying. I'm having some people like that, boys. You know, sometimes it's the little things in life that can make it all brighter. And if, if that that that's if that's how he wanted to go out, he went out with a smile and a laugh. So God bless. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Let, yeah. Name one person in a horror movie who had just as much fun throughout the film as that guy did. Oh, I got it. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> Ted from Friday the Thirteenth Part Two because he proved that being an alcoholic at a bar means Jason can't kill you. Because Ted refuses to go back to Crystal Lake that night. Yeah, he stays at the bar. He's looking for after-hour parties. And speaking of which, could you imagine how that would have played out the next morning? Ted wakes up at some random house, maybe the waitress's house. He's hungover. Goes back to Crystal Lake. Sees all the cops. They're like, "What happened? Jesus. All your friends are dead. Everybody's dead." <laughs> and he's just kind of like. My God, I'm an alcoholic and decided to stay at the bar last night. Like, wow, man. just like the guy on the Titanic. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so yeah, apart so, from apart from him, or yeah, maybe some of the gremlins have a good time in their film. They're they're very jolly. Oh, but... I wasn't counting gremlins. That's not fair. <laughs> they find so, everything fun. Fair. True. Um, uh, but yeah, so... this guy is number one though. So next up, Cynthia like attempts to convince Chris and JC that the attacks are zombie related because she saw a zombie. Um, but they're obviously classic skeptical. Um, so yeah, and then that is when so they're kind of like walking around at night, and then JC's like, I gotta go to the toilet, but but Chris kind of thinks it's he's leaving them alone to have some time alone, isn't it? JC had no intention of that. He's gonna go drop a deuce and then come back. All right, guys. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, whew, bloody hell, struggle. With best that. laid plans, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah, when he goes to, to the toilet, he is basically attacked by. The Sorry, possessed... delayed reaction there. Possessed... So... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's a combination of fatigue and just, oh, I just, I just clocked what he meant. Sorry. <laughs> so it works. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what continue. happens is the, the janitor attacks jc and this you know was a little bit sad i didn't expect jc to go out the way he did and especially yeah. at this point of the movie as well i thought he was going to escape 
But how far into the film does JC get got? Because it didn't it didn't feel like he was in the film a whole uh, lot. I want to say just over halfway, about about yeah. fifty minutes into the forty-five, fifty yeah. minutes. It's that's, about the that's halfway too mark. early. That's way too early for JC to go. I think. Yeah. I think yeah. more Janet Lee of this movie, Aaron. It's just how it was. You know, yeah. you weren't expecting it. Or I haven't been that uh, saddened by a death in a horror movie since they killed Randy and Scream Two halfway through the fucking oh, movie. Yeah, right? yeah. Which that to was me upsetting. is Wes Craven's biggest regret in that franchise. Mm, if yeah, I only no, would have known people loved Randy. I'm like, I fucking love Randy, Wes. Randy. Why'd you kill him off so quick? Trying to bring, bring Randy's um, uh, family members into the latest one as well, didn't they? Yeah, it's like, like his nephew, yeah. nephew and niece. Yeah, yeah, and his sister is their their mom. Yeah. Not really the same though. Although I did love his return in Scream Three. That was nice. That yeah, was yeah, the video oh yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Of course, yeah. fucking video Yes, <laughs> got him. Had to uh, be. With got a point AC. here though. On... So go, yeah, go, go. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say I got a point here because I do remember he gets slugged, as we're calling it now, mm-hmm. but then he manages to leave a tape on his desk yeah. later on in a in a latest. Does he? I'm confused as to how he does that. Does he? Well, maybe he, says he's he down had the, in the tape recorder on him. Maybe he's a guy that just had one of those handy portal things. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it gives us indication that if you get slugged, you have five minutes before you go full zombie. Or I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he so, rattles off like a pretty long speech, and there's that really lovely bit, and everybody goes, "I love you, man." And it's like, oh, I like I it because the, the, the effect you can kind of like hear him kind of turning in a way. I, yeah, I just he kinda, doesn't sound kinda, like him. No, it kind no, of sounds a bit. It's, it's like the, bit he does mention and... it's inside me, doesn't it? He, he goes, it, "Yeah, it, it's in my in brain." brain. Yeah. Yeah. in his brain. It's yeah, just, and you have a it's... you have a plot context sensitive amount of time before you turn, as the bookish friend proves later on. But you have, um, yeah, you've got a relevant amount of time that you can record a tape in weird. Jason's case. It was kind of weird though, because it's like he's gone from not believing there's an alien, there's these alien slugs, to suddenly being infected by one and having the presence of mind to leave a tape to tell Chris, you know, this is. And he's done a bit of research. He goes, yeah, they don't like the heat, um, but it doesn't get him out. Oh, because he knows that because when they get him, he is. I take, I guess he's taken some matches in to burn off fart gas while he's in the public toilet. Very considerate. Um, (laughs) But when he when he puts a match towards. Um, one of the slugs. It tell you what, slugs. they go up like a pair of shell suit trousers. They they <laughs> literally flash fire. Um, I yeah. kind of just thought, in terms of in terms of the way this film was playing out, maybe he should have survived the first encounter, then like realized that these slugs are real. Maybe got involved in fighting them for a while, and then would have been so much better tape. because he he kind of gets killed off screen almost. I know we see it go. Yeah, we don't, we don't even see that, but then we turn up later and it's just the back of his head with some sludge, and you think, ah, uh, yeah. you know, he was yeah, such yeah, a cool it, dude. He was our favorite, and that's that the death the we darkest get. Darkest moment in this movie. It actually felt mm. real there for a second, like because you're right. You're just seeing the back of his head laying in the, the stall there, and it's just like, yeah. Didn't seem to fit with the rest of the movie. And no, not at all. Genuine in the build-up to JC being got. I was watching this with my wife, and I genuinely turned to her and said, "Like, are they going to do a turnaround here? And is the story going to be about JC as the lead character? Because you know he's the one that had the confidence to go up and actually speak to someone, like you know, to speak to the love interest in the beginning. Is it going? Is there going to be a subplot about their friendship? And oh, hey." I'm actually the main guy. I don't have to be the 
I feel if this film was being remade, that is exactly the narrative you'd probably push into Absolutely. it now. But, but now, I'll but give then it he, time. Disney will remake this, I'm sure. Yeah. And then, and then he's just, <laughs> and then he's just gone. And you're right. He's, um, he's, he's out of the film without a really a death scene. You just encounter his body, and you don't even really see his face. Dead faces. No, that's that's yeah. You're right, Kevin. It is quite well, disturbing I mean, when you see that. If you think about it, his whole point was to build up the confidence uh, of his best pal in life to, you know, become the man he knew he could be. So his final, uh, I guess, maneuver to build up his best buddy's confidence was to, you know, die early and leave that, um, you know, inspirational message because he was just more or less used as a plot point to um, to have uh, our, our redheaded fine uh, lead uh, show up at Tom Atkins house and, uh, you know. Something's got to be done. This that was that was mm. the final drawing point to make yeah. him a, a man's man, if you will. And he turns up just in time to stop. Just in Tom time, gassing himself. Yeah, was he was he going to gas himself or was he going to blow up the oven? I can't remember. Like, mm. was he turning? He has all the he has all of the the gas on, right? But he's got an open plan house. He's gonna it's gonna take but, him all night. Uh, he has time. <laughs> he could drink. So I'm pretty sure he had like a lighter, you know. But no. yeah, because he's sort of flicking it on, on and you can oh he's gonna he's gonna top himself. But yeah, yeah. I thought that I mean, was how many other like people a, is he gonna take with him though? Because I thought it's gonna be a head in the other <laughs> yes, moment. Man. I didn't want to yeah, it strikes me unfair, because he's he's clearly living in a flat, so he's gonna take <laughs> out like, like family living above, family living below. Yeah. That's like the most selfish <laughs> thing. Yeah. He could do like... the entire block. Yeah, well, I did. I did do a murder that time, but I did kill an axe murderer because he chopped my girlfriend up. Sort of balances I mean, it out a little bit. Yeah. But he didn't yeah. kill him at the moment. Like coming back here because he admits at this point, doesn't he? To um, to the like, so that like, oh yeah, um, I did, I did kill the axe murderer, but it mm. gives the impression that it wasn't at this scene where we see him in the flashback in the nightmare where you see him approaching the car and she is being chopped up by the axe murderer he gives the impression that he hunted him down later yeah yeah he went full charles bronson on that i mean obviously it was against police procedure to you know shoot him i mean he could have taken him in in custody but uh he did the right thing of course but um it's just it's weird how he kind of covered up the the act like so the axe murderer, he kills him and he buries him, you know, and uh, behind the sorority house. Did anybody else in that police force, the 50s, go, hey, where's the axe murderer? What happened to him? I don't know. Oh, yeah. it's happening on the TV in the background right now as you're talking as well. It's strange. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Okay. Yeah. We can actually yeah, just see it listen. now. We can just watch it. So, uh, yeah, he says, so are we curious just... if, if he kills him right here? Well, I don't know. He's got the shotgun out here, boys. See, I don't know if this is... A, is this a product of the nightmare he's having? He's gone full maniac. Oh, here. this is the nightmare, yeah. Yeah. So is that just a recreation of it? But he mentions when he's actually talking about it that he hunted him down yeah. later. So maybe he got him and killed... Because in that situation, you'd imagine if you're seeing an axe murderer literally chop someone to death and you're a policeman, you could probably explain that, yeah, I shot this guy. He was chopping someone with an axe. But I'm yeah. guessing they must have chopped him when he was just, he must have shot him when he was, you know, on the toilet, in bed. <laughs> on the yeah. toilet. So, but still, the toilet. I still what, don't understand it? why he buried him where he buried him. You know, maybe I'm overthinking this. That like, never yeah, really made away. any sense. Like, That's true. 
Uh, there was a good line here, obviously, when he's telling Chris, um, and Chris is like, is there a point to this story? You just admitting that you killed someone to me? <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? Well, yeah, I was yeah, going to guess myself. That was a good observation as well. What's it got to do with the current <laughs> scenario we're in? He's like, ah, oh, nothing yet. <laughs> but eventually, <laughs> possibly. Um, so, yeah, he buries him in this lot, which eventually becomes the um, sorority mother's, house mother's cottage. Um, they build it on there. So that's obviously where, where it connects to this, which is which is interesting. I guess it's just like a creepy coincidence because initially I was a bit like, huh? What the, how is this related in a way? And then I realized, obviously, yeah, the slugs went under, mm. get to the body of the axe murderer, reanimate him. Um, yeah. And he's, he's up. And, and he's back. He's up and he's back, knocking about. Uh, who, does he, who does he kill? He, oh, he kills the house mother. Yeah. House mother. You also get that bit on the TV that she's watching, and it's Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yes. In, in a way, yes. is kind of like a self-referencing in, in a way, isn't it? It's uh, it, it knows exactly what this film is meant to be, what it's doing, you know, combining the macabre with, with aliens and things like that. So it knows it, it's not taking itself too seriously, but when it references Edward... And I, and I, I can probably think of a few movies that have actually had someone watching Ed Wood on TV or whatever, or Plan Nine, and it, mm. I, think, I just think it's a nice little nod that that's happening as well. Um, in, yeah. in that scene, when the, when he's digging his way or chopping his way upwards, I don't know how you would do that, but uh, but he does it. I, I'm, so. I'm just surprised Tom Atkins buried him with the axe in his hand. Still. <laughs> yeah, that's a strange. I still thought of that one. Yeah, just just in case you it's know, who knows what's going to happen. I'll, I'll give this axe murderer who I very rightly hate, like a traditional Egyptian burial. I'll bury him with all the things you'll need for the afterlife. Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh. Give him his uh, axe, but he chops himself out. I guess has the has the cat also been got at this by now? I think so. Wait, must yeah, have. Yeah, good question. The next time we do see the cat, it's all. Blah. It's got a skanky old face, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, skanky old face. So pretty much, yeah. To end the conversation with Detective Cameron and Chris, he gets a call basically saying the bloody axe murderer is back. And on the loose, it is the like... guy pissed. <laughs> Bloody axe murderer! Bloody axe murderer! Luckily, I've got a shotgun ready. Luckily, I've got a shotgun ready to go, mate. I got a shotgun ready yeah. to go. <laughs> so they they nip downtown and they very quickly corner him um, and have a and have a go at shooting him. Have yeah, I love that him. when they're shooting him and the light comes through the, yeah, the holes. Yeah, that's that's wow. weird. Strange choice there. Having seen yeah, Slither like before this and the scene that is, I, I would imagine now a direct homage on that one where they encounter one of the infected people with a bunch of policemen, I was expecting a lot of the policemen to get got by slugs in yeah, this. Yeah, they, they, they weren't interested in the cops. They just fucking went all by them, basically, mm. right? Because remember, cops suck, remember? We know this from That's the right. beginning of the film. Even yeah, yeah, Slugs want uh, come on, I'll 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 take someone that's got career aspirations. Yeah, I'm going after yeah, one of the boyfriends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that line as well that he's like, um, I killed you once before. And I, I is that is that what he says? Yeah, I killed you once before. <laughs> Don't admit it, Tom. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah, he's just like all the police are as well. Cops you what? right there, like <laughs> But yeah, he's like, I killed you once before. And I was like, oh man, that's such a John Saxon 
Elm Street three line. That's what it's. I don't know which one came first, one of those films, but oh, it's just like I killed you once before, yeah. and he's there with a the shotgun again. I love that. I love that. There's little little moments peppered throughout the film where you're just like, yep, nugget. That's a nugget. This one was a nugget for me. Yeah, I killed you once before. <laughs> so the next night is when there's like the formal dance essentially that's when chris finds the message from jc yeah. and obviously ends up finding finding him face that's a strange one as well just to point out is that this takes place over three nights and not one night yeah. I, I don't know if it's because i've seen a lot of horror films sort of you know it all happens in one night yeah. whereas this sort of Oh, you know, all this terrible shit's happened. Then the next day, oh, I've got my prom suit. Everything's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah go back to normal. Whatever. I think he does say, oh, JC's missing, doesn't he? he didn't come back last night. He said, oh, yeah, go to the toilet. And then, you know, maybe he's got into some trouble. You know, you know, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. Yeah. And there. he just happens to be getting ready in his prom suit and then happens to see the tape recorder because yeah. he didn't see it before. Like, he was uh, really looking know. forward to this date, though. Blinkers on. Yeah. Probably. Got... Yeah. And this is, this is Sex the love vision. Of it. This is the love of his life, as we've established. He's broken up with um, horrible old yeah. Brad, so he's got to capitalize on this. So I'll worry about my missing friend later. And to be That's fair, he busted for the, the blue suit, I believe, that fabulous tuxedo he's wearing. Powder yeah. blue. Oof. Powder blue. Beautiful, beautiful selection. But yeah, this yeah. is We Are Enter, I guess, the titular Night of the Creeps. That's probably what he was thinking about, how dapper the suit was, and then just sort of look around, ah, oh, tape recorder. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want to. I want to record my feelings on this one. What if you just taped over it? I'm just going to talk about my (laughs) (laughs) note to self. Learn how to do a one of these dicky bows. Um, That's it. Talk about marriage. We're you know planning kids' names and shit. Taping over (laughs) his mate's last fucking testament. Whatever. (laughs) It's it's fortunate that not only did JC record it, but he reround it. So it could just be yeah, played. Yeah, that's what I thought of as well. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, be kind, be kind rewind. rewind. That's it. Oh, oh even God. when you're dying, you've got no excuse now. If you've got a video shop, JC was kind and he rewound, man. Uh, but, but did he rewind, boys? Because I remember how that technology worked. What if he hit record, was talking, then died? Well, when the tape's done recording, when it runs out, it stops and automatically rewinds. Anyways. Oh, okay. Oh, that changes so everything. Just like that a VCR. Yeah, so this is 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 JC the true hero or, the, or as careless as flawed as anyone else? We'll he probably know. deserved to die. No, 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 he didn't rewind purposefully, man. Just saying, <laughs> should have rewound, man. He deserved it. I mean, so I, I just thought at the back of his head, and I was like, no, Aaron, don't, don't. It was quite sad. <laughs> How was he to know that rewinding a videotape and the chemicals released in your brain by being considerate wasn't poison to the slugs? That's it, man. That's it. <laughs> Could have saved him. Could have saved him so, yet. So Chris, like, essentially teams up with Detective Cameron. And it says here he's in the midst of a suicide attempt. What was he doing at this point? He was gassing uh, himself like nothing. Richard Richard. Yeah. Yeah. Sylvia um, plating himself. Yeah, he was going to stick his head in the oven, I believe, and blow it up. Oh, yeah. You yeah. already mentioned that. But, yeah, they're, but they're, they're ganged up now, and they're on the way to, to save the day. Unfortunately, the cat's been got. Um, and it goes into the bookish friend. Um, at the time, I imagine she's infected and is, and is hiding it, but again, a bit like the ghoulie man at the window, she gets spooked by the cat and then would appear to let it go and just get on with her life for a bit until it becomes plot relevant. Um, but 
everyone else, the Venga bus has come and they're on the way to prom. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. But they yeah, did tank the one, the one yeah, the one thing they didn't well, they're out on their, you know, they're in the back of the bus, like chanting lads, lads, lads on the way to the formal dance. They did not <laughs> anticipate a scabby dog to be standing in the road. Scabby <laughs> dog. Scabby dog. You, you've got to anticipate <laughs> these things, man. You've got to anticipate these things. You never know. You don't oh, know tonight at the right. creeps, though. You probably would flip the bus if a if a <laughs> gammy collie is just is standing its ground and the thing. You're going to flip that bus. Unfortunately, it doesn't catch fire, but it's just enough for all the slugs to go in. And, yes. Um, and get all uh, get all the lads. And Brad, having been dumped, <laughs> is just. I think you knew at this point that they were going to be fodder. You know, for this for the finale of the film as well, when they all got infected, I think mm. that was kind of that was kind of obvious. Um, yeah, and if you were curious, but happy if you remember how happy those gentlemen on the bus looked. It, it, speaking of looking older than they were probably meant to be, uh, half of those those extras they were actually the special effects crew for the movie. They just oh, cast okay. like the guys that were building the props. They like especially anybody with a mustache. They were definitely on the effects crew. That that mustache <laughs> guy, he looks like a a design technology teacher like yeah. he, he he knew all <laughs> yeah. uh, right lad what are you studying here in college yeah I'm, I'm on the foreman's course yeah he's literally like yeah serious engineer the bus driver as well he's just like for god's sake all the nights for me to work what is going on oh, i know you got that taxi he look you got that taxi book in it was like Mm. All right, taxi for 12. Need the minibus for that. Thank God there's no gammy dogs on the road. (laughs) (laughs) His boss was on the radio beforehand. Um, uh, Jeff, Jeff. you're you're overdue for the gammy dog training. I'll take it on on Monday, Derek. (laughs) It's not going to come up. And then on that night, this happens when you procrastinate. Gammy Um, dog night. Yeah. So why do, so why does what convinces Chris to take on the creeps? Because obviously when he goes and hooks up with Detective Cameron, he's like, "Well, let's go to I the think armory." The catalyst is JC's death. JC's death. Yeah. Okay. JC, sorry, yeah. Um, he's because uh, he, he suddenly flips and he he's quite emotional. He's quite upset, isn't he? At this point, so it's it's mm. uh, it's that what do they call it in uh, Save the Cat moment? It's uh, well, it's a save the cat moment, I suppose, isn't it? Or no, no, it's a push. They call it in script writing terms, or a bump. Yeah. I think they call it a bump. Mm. And I think that's what he needed to to sort of shake him okay. up, gain his confidence, and try and stop whatever this was. He sort of put the date to one side, and he's becoming yeah. a man. Stop thinking. Yeah. Stop thinking about the formal dance in your powder blue suit, and start thinking about flamethrowers. Well, those uh, things have got. Those things are threatening that thing that you want most in the world that they and you you've only known about these slugs for what 24 hours sick of them already absolutely mm-hmm. you don't you need to nip this in the bud before there are more knocking about and of course you mentioned the flamethrower ben perfect excuse to meet horror icon dick yeah. himself dick miller dick miller as the as the cop at the armory uh yeah, and this is great. Just oh yeah, I've just got a flamethrower knocking about. That's all right. I mean, who knows I mean, what we Dick, did it for? Dick Miller. He's always the... work. He's always selling weapons. He's, he's same thing in Terminator as well. You want pump or auto? It's yeah. like he's the he's the working man of 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 horror and action movies for multiple generations. I personally love him as put upon cleaner in um, Chopping Mall. 
Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also in a. Is he in the Howling as well? He is. Yes, he is. Guy. He's actually in every Joe Dante movie made. Joe Dante okay. used him in almost every. Well, if you think oh, the wow. Howling, Gremlins, Gremlins Two, uh, the Burbs, um, Explorers, uh, Matinee. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe not Dante's last, but yeah, he always used Dick Miller in his movies. Because uh, uh, remember, Dick Miller got to start Roger Corman films, and so did Dante. So yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, That's he had a, he had a hell of a career. Uh, there's a great documentary uh called "It's That Guy." It's that guy, Dick Miller. If, if you never get if you get a chance to watch it, check it out. They made it a couple of years before he passed on, but really, really, really cool stuff. That sounds great. And he's always, he's such a reliable, but you know, that, that description from the documentary title is perfect because I think for years as a kid, you know, when you know people's names as actors, like you would always recognize him and all the things, a very comforting appearance when you see Dick Miller turn up in these things, you know, you're in for a good time. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I agree. Um, so yeah, they go to, when they go to the sorority house uh, before, well, sorry, before they arrive, Cynthia, breaks up with brad who has been got he has been slugged um and because he's such a vapid blonde dead-eyed loser so notice sorry sorry, brad she doesn't notice notice anything uh so yeah she kind of thinks he's there to he's there to kind of like because they already had a a phone call where i think she said she didn't want to be be around him anymore and it seems she thinks he's come there to kind of um, rectify this but no she just tries to officially break up with him um but yeah become has become possessed and that is when detective cameron and chris show up don't they uh, and in many ways talking about standing up to the bully i mean marty mcfly became you know marty mcfly um his dad dad mcfly became generations popular for standing up to biff and just giving him a punch but here shoot him in the head and then burn him up that's more oh, than yeah that's that's more than double a punch. I, I love that they initially they automatically establish that shooting them and then burning them is what they need to do. I love what that. It's, like, it's, it's barely even discussed. It's not. It's just yeah. like, oh right, oh what's that? Yeah, okay, well we got it. It's not uh, burn and then shoot. Them. That'd be the Beautiful. dumb way. Combo. Combo. I, I, the, actually, one of my favorite shots right before that though is when she's breaking up with him and he's just sitting there. The slugs are just shooting out of his mouth. Yes. And yes. Like. There's something yeah. about how they did that shot. It just cracks me up. It's it's really cool. Mm. Uh, <laughs> she just doesn't notice at all. Like, huh. <laughs> not much to say. So but to yeah. be honest, she should have got got right then and there. I think she should definitely have been slugged. But yeah, yeah. I guess because I she didn't see, she wasn't surprised that she wouldn't have to go <gasps> and open your mouth yeah. in a in a in a gasp to swallow slugs. If you're unsurprisable, they can't get you. Unsurprisable. <laughs> so if you're if you if you're like Tom Adkins and he's seen it all, he just oh, yeah. is like almost a Judge Dread tight lip. <laughs> Mind oh. you, that is a film I would see. Tom Adkins as Judge Dread. Tom Adkins is Judge, oh, going yeah. around in the cursed earth, just rocking out in the desert. Tom Adkins as Dread. I need that that VHS artwork now. That Tom Adkins Dread poster. If anyone's watching, please send it through because I want to see this. It can be made. <laughs> it yeah. can be made. Uh, so yeah, Cynthia and Chris then obviously <laughs> thrill us. Please do it. 
Because I'm the um, law is what he'd finish. So then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of the those uh, fraternity brothers who were in the bus show up infected. Uh, lots of moustaches. And your dates are here, but the bad news is all dead. So fifty. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love this because obviously good, good Chris... news is your dates are here. Bad news is it is in no way age appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so bad news is that your dad's. Oh my God. <laughs> read into that whatever you want <laughs> so Cynthia and Chris team up like at the front of the sorority house shotgunning and flamethrowing the zombies Detective Cameron goes inside the house uh, to clear anybody in there including obviously the bookish young lady who's turned yes. into turns into a zombie at a plot relevant moment because she's fine uh, for a bit she hasn't got the peace of mind to make a cassette hmm. yeah, no exactly. no so all the zombies get in the house as well. There's a weird moment where Cynthia and Chris just go into like a little woodshed. Oh, <laughs> into, the, no. into the bike store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This will be all right. I'll be fine in here. Don't worry about it. Ah, fuck it yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great moment. We get a brain t- uh, I, I hate that when there's that, there's that shot from above where they're, they're sort of going in there. And like they're so close, they're so, I don't know why mm. one of them just doesn't grab them. It's it's yeah. almost frustrating that they don't get got at that moment. And it's sort of like there's almost something British about it. Like when you're trying to sneak onto the tube or subway, and you're <laughs> sort of like, oh, sorry, sorry. It's it's almost like a cue. It's like, he's right fucking there. Grab him, yeah. like you know. But he doesn't. He doesn't get got, which is weird. Hmm. But that's kind of something from like classic zombie movies as well, even like like Night of the Living Dead, where you think surely they're going to be got, but they're so shambling, so slow. That they can't like mm. make that, that that final moment. You can kind of like edge between them almost, and that kind of comes across in this as well. It's like those, especially I guess, is what those zombies do isn't bite you or eat you or even give you a thump in. They want to get near you so they can gob slugs out. Maybe it's like a dog chasing the car. They don't know what they're actively mm-hmm. going to do if they catch you. They just. It seems you like know. when a victim is in is in the faci- the vicinity that they just die. Well, the bot sorry, the body that they're in, the body dies, and they come out and go for you. Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. like they need to get them to open their mouths so slugs is going. So what they're trying to get to do is get close enough to them so they can whisper something shocking. So they'll gasp, mm. tell them what energy price energy price caps going up. <gasps> and then, <laughs> yeah, then got them. <laughs> Or you hear Kevin's pitch for Halloween ends. Oh, they would all of a sudden. Uh, 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 uh. You probably get twenty in there. I think. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Should have should have put a content warning. On that. If there are any slugs around when people are listening, Ben, if you put a content warning on at the beginning. Yeah. If you're anywhere yeah, you near, know, the slugs are going slugs. to be watching this, going, "Oh shit, that's a really good point, man." Tell them the Halloween kills thing, Halloween ends thing. <laughs> uh, okay, so after like the house gets cleared, essentially, some more slugs are like going towards the basement. Um, I remember Chekhov's brains. Chekhov's so what's what's, brains, what's, what's yeah, in the yeah. basement? Oh, you know, a couple of old newspapers. Oh, loads of brains, jars of brains. <laughs> so a jar of brains knocking about. Um, yeah. Then when they go down there, Detective Cameron has essentially got them all. There's an enormous pile of horrible slugs. He's got some tape across his mouth. He knows smart. what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Very smart. Uh, and he's prepping a can of gasoline. Um, and they do a little countdown, which is nice. I feel like under pressure, though, you'd get it de- like dangerously wrong, wouldn't you? Count too fast. No, I'm not going to be slow. nitpicky here, but they're clearly not happening in seconds because there's like loads of delays in between the... It's like five. 
Yeah. Aaron, again, oh, it was the 80s, two. right? Time time moved differently <laughs> in the mid-80s. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot Time Atkins could bend time as well. Right. So. Time, time Atkins? Now you see. Time Atkins, yeah. T- time <laughs> listens to Atkins' voice. You, time's not allowed to move ahead until Atkins is <laughs> yeah. five. Hold on, time. That's it. It's, it's like Inception. Like every, yeah. with every Tom Atkins <laughs> second, it could be slow. It could be fast for the audience. Yeah, it's I'm up on board to Tom with that. Atkins to decide these things. We yeah, thanks yeah, for clearing point. that up, man. Your perception of time you. is altered by the strength of gravity. And if there's something that Tom Atkins has, it's gravity. Come on. Tom That's Atkins it. was yeah. just absolutely convinced he was going to get an explosion in this film. He was, he was just like, well, maybe I'll just do it at the end. Maybe I'll do it earlier. He just wanted it. It's um, kind of, yeah, he's, he'd already committed himself. So he must, fuck it, I'm going to blow something up. And... Yeah. yeah, I've already got the thought on my head, you know? I don't want to ruin it. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, they blow up, they blow up the house. Mm-hmm. So he, flick, he flicks his lighter, house goes up in a big explosion. And then a classic, I guess, well, it's not the exact ending, but a classic ending moment of Chris and Cynthia sharing a lovely kiss. As they, yeah, the house burn and they think it? of everyone who's died. If there's anything yeah. to put you in the mood for a kiss, it's the smelling of the smell of burned human flesh and yeah, the garden full of bodies Atkins. of people that you know. Yeah. I mean, it's you not know, really a... about the years of therapy and what you just witnessed that night. Uh, I really think about that in most horror movies. There's always the kiss between the uh, the two left. And, uh, you know, it's like, but wait, didn't you just see like half a dozen yeah. of your friends butchered tonight by a madman? I mean, I don't know. That's I why they don't do it in the thing. That's why they don't That's kiss right. at the end of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, not in the cut you've seen. But, uh... That's a good point. That's true. That's there point. are, there are, this is where it gets, there's two endings, of course. Um, <laughs> and we got, and we got this point, which, uh, when you watched it last night, which ending did you go with? What happens next? Oh, so, so the, the ending, version, oh, go on, Ben, you go. The ending I saw was where you see like a zombified and charred uh, Detective Cameron yeah. um, appearing, smoking a cigarette. He stops, falls to the ground, all the slugs come out of his head. And they all go to a cemetery. And then yeah. when they're in the cemetery, we also see the aliens appear with a searchlight. Aliens got the torch down. So any, yeah, the torch down. Slugs down here. Attended to retrieve their experiment. Who knows what carnage they Wait, wait, wait. That was my ending. You're telling me there's another ending to this film? Okay, so oh, what, you guys, oh, yeah. what you guys saw was the director's cut ending. That was not the theatrical ending. The theatrical okay. ending, you see Cynthia and Chris kiss. And the police are around, they're roping shit off. And then the dog comes walking up to them and looks up and they look down and the slug shoots out of the dog's mouth. And that's how it ends. Yeah. Oh, so you don't see who gets got. Scabby no, dog. They, they cut the whole Tom Atkins bit out. So um, yeah, I believe that, so that was the theater ending. That was the VHS ending. And it was only on uh, when I hit DVD and Blu-ray that we finally got to see the Tom Atkins ending, which was... Um, the one he wanted, but uh, they went with the theater. The jump scare with the dog at the end instead. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Scabby yeah. Dog's Revenge. The final move. <laughs> I like the Tom Atkins <laughs> ending better. Yes. Yeah. I, from what yeah. I remember seeing, it was quite nice going back to Graveyard and the spaceship again. The spaceship, it screamed yeah. Ed Wood at me as well. Yes. So that yeah. was that was a nice way to end it. It had a really good, it was a nice bookend, I think. Um, yeah. the way this, this one kind of ended okay so that is that for Night of the Creeps um, before we rate the movie we do have something called the name game 
um, which I guess we should kind of explain. Andy, do you want to explain? <clears throat> You're usually the master of this. Yeah, so uh, a game pioneered by our other host, Luke Condor with a K, um, is that he'll take the, the title of the film we have and change it ever so slightly, usually with a rhyming convention, but depending on how hard it is to rhyme the words of the title, maybe we'll make that a little bit stretched on occasion. And um, one of us will give you uh, a plot of a film that sounds suspiciously like Night of the Creeps with a slight change that you know will give you a clue to what this altered name would be. Yeah, it'll become very clear after like the first one. So, okay, uh, tell me. Do you want to? (laughs) You started that. You've been waiting to say that this whole episode, haven't you? Shit, Uh, sorry. uh, (laughs) Do you want to start, uh, Andy? Tell me the what's the what's the classic synopsis, Ben, and I'll riff it from that. Now you see, the synopsis isn't great, so I don't know if you just want to say. Slugs come down from space. So it says alien brain parasites entering humans from the mouth, turn their host into a zombie. Some teenagers start to fight against them. That's kind of, that's not the best synopsis on IMDb. Okay, let's think of one quickly then. So imperiled by an invasion of uh, alien brain-eating slugs, some teenagers use the strength of four-wheel drive vehicles to save the day. Night of the Jeeps. It's not night. They use their strength to do it. Might of the Jeeps. Might of the Jeeps. Very good. Point. Might of the Jeeps. <laughs> All right. I see where this is going now. Okay. You got one off the top of the dome, Ben. Okay. Um, I don't know how to describe this. So teenagers fight back against brain parasites, which... <laughs> which... I don't even know how to describe it, which uh, display themselves as an Academy Award nominate. No, a, an Academy Award winning actress, the one with the most Oscars of all time. Oh, I got it. Uh, Fight of the Streeps. Fight of the Streeps. Fight of the Meryl Streeps. Okay. I'm letting Cow have that. I'm not going to, not for a second, oh, going to deny, deny him that. No. I just felt if I would have said Meryl Streep's, that's too heavy handed, baby. Come on. Yeah. That's keeping him with the right number of syllables. Mm. You've, you've pulled that one off. Um, okay. I got one for you then. Um, so a number of local teenagers are placed in peril when they catch a look at uh, an absolute horde of. Oh, this one might be in Kev's wheelhouse. Um, Candy kind of marshmallow duck um, treats, mostly popular in North America. Oh, no, no, I don't know. Little marshmallow ducks are invading um, the thing, and you, if you just uh, if you just get a look at them, you're in you're in big trouble. Marshmallow ducks. <laughs> marshmallow ducks. I've only had them once. They're very delicious, but incredibly bad for you, I imagine. They come in all. They're not ringing any colors. bells for me. I'm oh, blanking out. I'm not right. much of a sweet tooth. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to Google these bad boys, but they're called Peeps. So the film is Sight oh. of the Peeps. Ah, oh. the Peeps. Okay, have a quick Google of Peeps. They look very bad for you. Oh, they are. Okay, uh, alien brain parasites enter sheep through the mouth, and teenagers <laughs> and teenagers ask for help of a famous sheep wrangler to fight back against them. Um, 
It's got to be. It's got to be something of the sheeps. But who but, is yeah, the? But is the famous sheep wrangler? I'm just trying to think. I don't. I don't know if she's a, a, a wrangler of sheep. Actually, maybe just a. She. Give, okay. She. I've given you the gender. It's just a British thing. <laughs> I don't think so. Over okay. here, sheep wranglers are a list. A list <laughs> sheep wrangler. The way of a talk um, about. Okay, I, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a clue. Uh, a carrot is a character from Toy Story. Oh, oh, uh, oh peep, peep, oh, peep, Bo Peep of the sheep, or so fight, just not <laughs> fight of just the night, sheep with peep, just night, just night of the Bo Peep is what I've got. Night of the Bo, Bo Peep. Peeps. Oh, night of the Bo Peep. Okay, yeah. I do apologise. He's on the greyest, but <laughs> forgot to <laughs> write any this week. It's not always easy. It's not always easy. I forgot to write any this week, so I'm literally having to dome these. But um, oh, wow. Got I got, I got, I got, got one, I got one more for for go the for, for the pile here. So, teenagers um, faced with an terrible odds get into a big scrap with just um, piles of um, decomposing organic matter for the garden. Why are the shit? No, what? <laughs> where, where, where would you put your 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 scraps and your garden waste to get some lovely? Mulch. Oh, uh, I've never actually done any gardening, but I imagine you'd put them in the compost, compost. or the compost yeah. <laughs> what 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 collection what what units does compost come in? Jesus, I've never thought. <laughs> I never thought I'd be asked that on a horror podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what, what units does it, compost it, it, it come is, in? of course, fight of the heaps. Compost comes in heaps, right? It's not just that my family weren't wealthy dude, enough dude, to have dude. a container. I, I, I rewatched Night of the Creeps. I, I didn't go and visit the garden center as well to the plant. <laughs> Why not? This. This Why not? I don't understand. <laughs> oh, maybe okay. I'm just maybe I'm just learning that I wasn't privileged. Maybe everyone else had containers for their compost, and we just had a pile of shit in the garden. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny. You think I have a garden? <laughs> okay, you live in London. Okay, last one. Last one for me. Um, alien brain parasites enter humans through the mouth. Some teenagers start to fight against them, but it's the version of the film which is shown on TV, terrestrial TV. That might be an English thing, actually. Um, mm. So all of the swears are cut out. Uh, no, the bleeps. It's on at yeah, seven o'clock. Yeah, that's no, the bleeps. That's that's how, that's, that's how simple they should be. And I'm sorry that I overthought it with the others. <laughs> but... Sorry, forgot to write them in advance. Sometimes we have sorry, to do this I'm with like one syllable over the movies. <laughs> the heaps. Yeah. Sometimes we have I'm to do this with heaps. one syllable. I think last week's <laughs> last week's was pretty good, wasn't it, Andy? That's all right. You can't you can't win them all. Okay, so that finally, what we have to do is rate the movie from A to F. Um, Classic school schoolyard report rankings. Yeah, exactly. So I guess. Kev, we should start with you. How do you rate Night of the Creek? I, I, I like to do it in two levels. So from a preteen going to the video store in the 80s point of view, give it a strong A, no doubt about it. From maybe a first time seeing it as an adult in your 30s or 40s, uh, way later in life, but looking back in the 80s, I think it comes across as a B plus. Mm. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if you thought about it, but and maybe you did because one of you said about pairing it up with the Monster Squad. I mean, if you would have saw those two movies back to back at a sleepover with your buddies when you were like mm. ten or nine or eleven, 
I think it would have been a great night of cinema. Mm-hmm. What so, time? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, great. Yeah. What 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 do you think, Aaron? Uh, well, going in because it's a different perspective from me because I saw it you know, only a few years ago. To me, it's it's definitely one of those films where I feel ashamed of myself for for not seeing it sooner. So the fact that I did get to see it and, you know, thank you in such a darkness. Um, I'm definitely going to have to give it a, a strong B plus because it does rank up there for me. Um, you know, the, the, the music, the, the constant sort of change of pace at the beginning from like you were saying, it was on a spaceship. So it's like a sci-fi with the alien subtitles. And then all of a sudden you're in a fifties movie and it's, you know, it's quite, it, it's not, rushed or anything like that like they've put a lot of effort into that 50 sequence and then you're in the 80s and then you're in tom adkins territory so for me that you know they thrilled me i'm gonna say fucking say it again it, it was <laughs> a nice surprise to see that film and um yeah I, I definitely give it a strong b plus i think it's definitely probably in my it's definitely in my top 10 i think of oh, favorite wow, horror okay. films yeah definitely awesome uh, I think I'll join you guys on a B plus. Considering this is the first time I'd seen it, it definitely has to be a film that makes it into my like regular rotation of like awesome B movies and definitely like Tom Atkins' most iconic role. Amazing one liners, just really, just really fun. And the sort of final act as well. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, B plus. What are you saying, Andy? Going to join you guys. It's going to be a unanimous B plus. I think for. Many of the reasons you said, but it's so even revisiting this more recently and not having, you know, films of the same era that I grew up with are some of my favorite horror movies of all time. You look at things like Joe Dante's Gremlins, you look at um, that that kind of chaos and the comedy and the genuine horror that you come from it as well. It combines all of those things so well. And I am surprised with not just the direct comparison of you know slither and filmmakers like james gunn who have clearly been heavily inspired by this but there's a broader array of things that the, the tone and the approach that inspires so much that's modern it is a shock that it isn't more widely known outside just your horror fan audience that it isn't just a a staple fright night movie that gets put on a lot more and the the director certainly didn't deserve to end a career on two underperformers and then RoboCop three. Um, yeah. But how how wonderful this actually is and how good <laughs> it is! It's going to go into regular rotation for me. This is a a film that you can put on and enjoy, and it's apart from the crippling sadness of JC's fate, like a delight throughout. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Watch out for those scabby dogs, though, please. Hundred percent scabby dogs. Yeah. So would you yeah. say this is Tom Atkins' uh, finest role then of uh, the Tom Atkins horror movies that you've seen? It's hard yeah, to say. I like, so. I don't know. Season yeah. of the Witch is is hard to overcome. Season yeah. of the Witch is great, but he gets so much to do in this, and he's just yeah. like, it's just so cool. It's just it's just iconic, and obviously the the, the one liners, but. In terms of like his arc, his character arc, as I said, like him having to face that axe wielding murderer again a second time, just so he could kind of like deal with that trauma of it all happening the first time, is kind of probably something that might maybe is a like underlooked in this film. But I really enjoyed that. I like the fact that he goes full on Tom Atkins with this as well, because I mean I know we had was it Spider Man 
No Way Home. I'd like to see a version of that with all the Tom Adkins from all the different universes <laughs> yeah. coming together. And like you got the guy from Creep Show, the dad in Creep Show comes in, yeah. Season of oh, the yeah. Witch, and then you got Night of the Creeps. Just throw them all in there, and they've got a you know, I don't know, take on all the villains that were in each respective film. That would be really cool. That would be that'd be cool. But if uh, we're thinking of- for the good of Tom Atkins from The Fog and Halloween 3, we got to make sure there's a woman that's gorgeous, 25 years younger than him. He meets him for two minutes, they end up in the shack immediately. Yeah, immediately. Uh, between The Fog and Halloween 3, you know John Carpenter must love Tom Atkins for writing out of the script. Like, yes, you're going to pick up Jamie Lee Curtis, have like a few chit-chats with her, wake up in bed together, just like that. I'll tell you what, and then after he's smoking a cigarette guy, and that's why God made fathers. That's why God <laughs> <Yeah>. made fathers. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, here, now here's the real question do we prefer tom atkins with or without the mustachio got the mustache, mustache atkins yeah, yeah. mustache yeah. every time yeah, yeah. Mustache, yeah. definitely mustache atkins. he's naked without it My well he, i think in the fog no mustache and obviously creep show no mustache halloween three mustache night of the creeps mustache they balance it out pretty good. I can't, I can't see his face without the mustache there now. Yeah, I can't. I can't it. imagine him without one. Not at all. Yeah, it's I think like if he had one, a, in... a Burt Reynolds movie without him having a mustache in the seventies, oh, Deliverance, no mustache, weird. It was I like watching... if he had a mustache in the fog. I think it would have upstaged Jamie Lee Curtis, and I, just, I don't think that's what they were going for with that film. So I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, that just wouldn't be fair. Okay, there we go. Uh, that was fun. Mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Where can, uh, so yeah, thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Kevin. Where can we find more? Where can our listeners find more from you online? I was going to start with you, Aaron. Uh, well, uh, you can find me at, because uh, I'm working on my documentary, Knox the Rob Knox Story. Uh, we have an Instagram and a Facebook. So we're on all the socials at hashtag Rob Knox Film. Cult of VHS, uh, we have an Instagram account that's run by our director, Robert Thaddeo. So you can follow him on Instagram at the Cult of VHS. And you can also find me on Facebook, just chucking out regular nuggets of cool information and news about Cottle VHS. So come find me. I don't buy it. And I love chatting about VHS. Amazing. I, I say you? that and literally on the same <laughs> fucking call, i got Kevin on this. <laughs> I like talking about VHS. And there's a guy who lives in VHS world. Yeah. So where, <laughs> where, can, our, where can our listeners find more from you then, Kev? Well, if you follow on Instagram, you just want to see what the video store is watching on a daily basis or have any uh, any nerdy nuggets. It's video store Kev on Instagram. Uh, if, if you're on Facebook and you want to follow the video store, just honestly search the lobby DVD shop. Uh, you'll know you're on the right page. It's nothing but nerd talk. And uh, if you want to check out some of our earlier short films uh, before the feature comes out next year, they're all on YouTube. Uh, you just Google straight to video a B movie Odyssey or Tales from the Lobby, um, and then you just go down that rabbit hole. But uh, hopefully next year in 2023, people will notice a new feature film called The Last Video Store, debuting somewhere in the world. Anyways. Oh wow! Yeah, right. we'll to, I want to we'll see that at Fright Fest. Yes, ideally uh, we'll all be there at Fright Fest together. We'll get all this travel sorted. You'll be welcomed with open arms onto the program. Get a nice, lovely premiere slot. Dressed up in our tuxes and uh, get powder on our bus and try to avoid the scabby dogs. <laughs> oh, that's it. We'll, yeah, we'll get some powder blue suits. Come on, powder that's it. Suits. 
Kev, you'll have to come back on the show to discuss that film when it's out as well. Your movie. Absolutely. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. <clears throat> Thanks to our current patrons. John Crinan, Ben Scaife, Stephen Christopher, Laura Kendrick, Toby Miller, Ollie Child, Leslie Carlo, Julia Bilgren, Nick Spill, and Pazuzu. Thank you all very much for the continued support. Thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or review and head over to the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. We're on Twitter at horror underscore hangout underscore and we're on Instagram at horror hangout podcast. Next week's episode will be a quiz episode. First one of the year. Holy shit. Holy shit. Versus the Dare Queer podcast hosts, Liam and Liam. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much again, Aaron and Kevin. This has been great. Yeah, thanks for yeah, having I've had heaps of fun. <laughs> you see, you notice that I've given you a gift, a great word that you can use. I'm going to be using that life. word a lot now. Heaps Some would say fun. heaps. Yes, heaps. I've had heaps of fun. Okay, thanks everybody. See you later. See you later. <laughs> See you later, everybody. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.